Hello everyone, this is episode number 144 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is April 28th, 2020. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is Mr. Jay Totoro. Hello, sir. How are you? Do you remember we went through that phase of calling me by different names every single episode? Yeah, that was fun. Then I stopped being able to come up with more names. You're damn right you did. Uh, this is the third episode of the uh, coronavirus era. How are you faring? Uh, doing pretty good. You know, definitely social distancing from you, which is great. Um, no, it, it's it's good. You know, it, it's it definitely has its challenges. Um, but you know, as you and I have talked about before, we're both pretty comfortable being at home, so it's not a a massive drastic change. But how are you faring? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much the same, like you said. Uh. For I, I don't want to keep repeating myself. I can't remember if I've said this on the podcast before, so apologies if I have. But I have uh, many, many allergies, and one of them is very bad pollen allergy. And so uh, this time of year, I try to stay inside a lot, but I usually you know, will still go on walks and stuff. But also, the price I pay for that is I often end up with a respiratory infection. Um, that's not, you know, terrible on its own. Usually I have to get like steroids and then it goes away. But, but right now a respiratory infection is about the worst possible thing that could happen. Uh, you know, cause that would be terrible if I got that and got sick on top of it. So I've been like really, really staying inside all the time. Like I'll walk out to get the mail and that's pretty much it. So, uh, You're kidding me. like, no, like I'll also walk outside to put the dogs out and, but I have not gone on walks. I have not done anything so it's uh so I've, i i do feel very cooped um I, like you said it doesn't really bother me because you know both of us just like to stay inside and play video games but i do wish i could get a little bit more particularly like cardiovascular exercise yeah. for instance <laughs> and a little bit of sunlight usually uh when things are normal i'll in the middle of the day i'll go on like a 10 or 15 minute walk around the block um and then, you know, I'll, if I'm not at the gym, then I'll go run or something like that, you know, once or twice a week. And I just can't do any of that right now. So I think once I start working out again, it's going to hit me super hard. I'm just going to be worthless. But uh, yeah, but, that's kind of where I'm getting to. Yeah. Honestly, because I work out at the gym. I work. Like, I still go for a lot of walks. I walk like at least like two or three times a day with my dog. Mm-hmm. But damn, dude, I hate it. I hate because anytime I see people, I'm like, fuck, like, get away from me, please. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, but I mean, all things considered, I really can't complain. I just, uh, I'm staying inside playing video games and that's, that's, that's what, that's what I like to do. So, you know, it's true. Whatever. You're here to that. Uh, news. Let's talk about some of it. Trials of Mana is out now. This is the 3D remake of Second and Setsu 3. A uh, famous Super Nintendo RPG came out in 1995. Uh, It was was not released in the States. Now there is a 3D remake of that that is available in the States. When did it come out? Like uh, a few days ago. Okay, I was just curious what the reception was so far, but it's probably too early to tell. Uh, It might have been like last, it might have been like last Thursday or something like that. I don't remember exactly. Um, yeah, that, you know, that, that, now that you ask, I don't know if I've really looked to see what people are saying about it. I, I, I think people were I generally people stream it a bit, I believe, on Twitch. I think everybody was pretty excited about it. Good. Um, but I don't. But yeah, I'm not sure that I've actually heard much uh, since it's come out. 
a bunch of uh, classic arcade shmups are coming to Steam. This is uh, this is reported by uh, Jimatsu. Uh, what is the name of the company? Crap. Oh, uh, nope. Hold on. Sorry, I don't have my I don't have my, all my ducks in a row. Uh, underprepared as usual. City Connection is the publisher. Psycho P S I K Y O was the original developer of these games back in the. 90s, I guess. Uh, but the publisher now is City Connection. They own the rights. They are releasing uh, these on Steam. The games that they are going to release are Samurai Aces, Samurai Aces Episode 2 Tengai, uh, Samurai Aces Episode 3 Sengoku Cannon, Gunbird, Gunbird 2, Strikers 1945, Strikers 1945 2, Strikers 1945 3. Soul Divide, Sword of Darkness, Dragon Blaze, quote, and more. I feel like after you do 1945, you just go to 1946. <laughs> 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 um, maybe it's like Final Fantasy X, you know? You can't just go to 11. That's his whole other, that's his whole own thing. Ah, oh, that's true. Um... Strikers 1945, I believe, is the same game that's, that's in some places just called it's just called 1945 have you ever played that it's an arcade game top down it shoot them up bell. you're flying does, like ring a bell yeah you're flying like a uh you know like a world war ii ish plane um yeah i'm pretty sure it's just called 1940 yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it here there in some places it's just called 1945 so uh, you may be familiar with that. You may be familiar with the Gunbird series. Uh, I talked about Gunbird two on the podcast a while back because I have it on Dreamcast. And it's uh, it's a famous uh, shmup on that system. So uh, uh, I didn't I didn't know that it was based on a. Well, are all these arcade games actually? Maybe not. I thought these were all arcade shoot 'em ups, but actually I, I take that back. I don't think they all are. Like Gunbird two, for instance. Like I said, it was on Dreamcast. I thought I was thinking maybe it was also an arcade, but it might not actually be. So uh, anyway, those are coming out. If you're a shmup fan, keep an eye out for those. Uh, 19, uh, so they're, they're releasing these separately, by the way. It's not like one package. The the uh, So Strikers 1945 is the first one, and that one is out now. It's on Steam. I think it's gotcha. I think it's ten bucks. They uh, I read on Destructoid today that the next one is going to be Gunbird that they release, and that's going to be in May. Um, I'll take it back. Strikers 1945 isn't out yet. It comes out in two days. So by the time this podcast is out, it should be out. And then next one is Gunbird in May. And then they're, they haven't announced when they're like, you know, which one's coming next after that, but they're releasing these kind of like one at a time. Okay. And then uh, one more thing. So this isn't technically classic by our definition, but it is fairly close. And it's kind of interesting. I thought, remember crisis, the game that melts your PC. Because no, nobody can run it. Yep. It came out in 2007. So just, like I said, just a little bit past uh, the, the 2005 endpoint for us. But uh, they're coming out with uh, Crisis Remastered has been announced. So uh, I, I wonder if they're going to try to push like hardware capabilities as hard as the first Crisis. Or, you know, somewhat comparable to how hard the first crisis pushed things back when it came out 
13 years oh, ago. God. Today, that would be impressive. <laughs> it would be impressive, yeah. But that used to be the thing. Remember, it would be like, oh, yeah, that's a badass computer. Can it run Crisis? Oh. Uh, so it's it's coming out. I thought this was interesting. It's coming out on all three consoles, including Switch uh, plus PC. So I guess it probably wow. is not going to be pushing things that hard. Actually. Probably not, no. Um, let me see. Did you ever play any of the Crisis games? No. I played one of them. Uh, I don't remember if it was two. It definitely wasn't the first one. I don't remember if it was two or three. So I think I got it. I don't remember. I got it with like a fucking graphics card or something that I bought. And uh, it actually, it wasn't bad. It was less mindless than I thought it was going to be. But it also, I didn't, I also didn't stick with it for too long. But then again, I'm not like, I don't, uh, I'm not big on first person shooters that much for the, for the most part. So, uh, I, for, so me saying it wasn't bad is, uh, I think means it's actually pretty good. Probably it was better than I expected it to be. Yeah. I, I'm kind of supposed to. What? She goes down the esophagus, not the windpipe. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Uh, I was going to say, I'm not a big fan of first-person shooters either, generally. So That's all I had to say. You don't have to yell at me. <laughs> no, yeah, there are some notable exceptions for sure. Like, you know, I, I told you I loved, absolutely loved Doom when I played it, I guess, last year. Uh, Unreal Tournament is an exception for me. Oh, yeah, that one too, for sure. Halo, Halo single player is really fun. I didn't really love Halo, but obviously I loved Goldeneye, and I know you didn't really. Uh, Perfect Dark was another one. Dislike, Perfect Dark is a great game. I don't dislike Goldeneye. I just <sighs> was not my cup of tea necessarily. Don't say that. You're going to make me cough again. Um, okay, so uh, that's all the news, unless you have anything else. No, I was just thinking that last time I felt like we had like 90 pieces of news. We did. And I was like... This time I have nothing, and I'm like trying to think: was there anything that I saw? I don't think there was. I'm sure Blizzard did something. Just get, let's just check out. Uh, they ours. did do something scumbaggery. I don't remember some kind of scumbaggery. I don't remember what it was though. <clears throat> Shit. I don't even remember what it was. All we should have to do. I'm pulling up Blizzard. Uh, our Blizzard on Reddit. Uh, BlizzCon may be canceled this year. You know, no fucking shit. No one cares. Um. <clears throat> yeah, I don't see anything. That looks like people are uh, all worked up. Man, there was something they did. Somebody bought me Warcraft 3, by the way. Somebody bought you Warcraft 3? Yep. Ouch. Yeah. Did you, have you played it? Yeah, me and my brother played it a decent amount. How did that go? Uh, I didn't play any single player. We only played the the Eve's map settings or whatever, the custom maps. Did it and work? They, they were very fun. Okay. Yeah, they worked. I, I read about all the issues people were experiencing and... Shocker, like every fucking developer today, they released an unfinished game and then finished it after the fact. So yeah. um, it, they definitely fixed a lot of the, the issues that people were having, which is whatever. It's just so stupid. Um, oh, man, there was something that Blizzard was doing and I don't remember what it was. It's going to piss me off. Well, if you think about it, feel free to chime okay. in. Yeah, I'll bring it up. Sure, we would all love to hear it. 100%. All right, I've got uh, two games. How many do you have? I have one. Why don't we stagger these puppies? Okay. 
Uh, I'll go with... Um, you want to go ahead and talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake or save it for last? You played it? Yeah. Well, not the whole thing. Oh. Well, as much as you could. Yeah. Um, it's up to you. I mean, that's kind of interesting, but... Let's go with it then. Um, okay. So, yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake. I've got it. I've been playing it fairly consistently. Uh, not super heavily. I, I play it when I can. I'm, uh, I was playing it some this afternoon. I think I just hit, like, the 13-hour mark. That's with, um, you know, pausing it every now and then. Uh, so I'm, I'm probably closer to, like, 12 hours in, really. <clears throat> did but, you play turkeys or, or action? No, I did the regular, like, action version. Because based on what we heard and then also, like, reading stuff in the game, it, it's very clear that turn-based is basically supposed to be easy mode. Yeah, which is so weird to me, but okay. Yeah, so I went with, like, the real-time kind of quasi-turn-based, you know, thing. Uh, the, the, like, the standard way. And uh, this is... The, I love this game. It is so good. It is... It stays true to the original, like, in tone... For the most part, like, it does deviate some tone-wise... But overall, it stays true to it. It stays true to the story. It stays true to the feel. Um, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> obviously the story is more or less the same. It's just kind of more filled in with parts and they, they focus more on certain things and kind of fill out the story. You know, there's there's a lot more spots with dialogue where it's just characters kind of talking and stuff. Um, the combat is good, too. It, it took me a little bit to get used to it. So the way combat works is it goes and it's real time RPG combat. I've heard people compare it to final fantasy 15, which that's what I was thinking. I haven't played it. So, so I'm not sure, but it's, you know, kind of also sort of MMO RPG ish, but not really. It's a lot more action feely than that. So the way it works is you get into combat and it is not turn-based at all. Well, let me it is halfway turn based. I'm, I'm contradicting myself and repeating myself now. Uh, it's basically real time, and you are attacking. So you have an attack button, and you have like a, uh, a some sort of. Every character has their own kind of alternate attack, and it's not always an attack. Sometimes it's like like a uh, cloud, for instance. You can pr- so square, for example, is his regular attack button. You run up to enemies, and you basically just hold square, and then. His alternate thing, if you press triangle, it changes his stance and it goes into like a more heavy hitting mode, but, but you're a lot less mobile. So if you're having to run around and and attack ranged guys a lot, then it's better to stay in kind of like his normal stance. And then, but if you're up close against somebody who's doing a lot of melee stuff and, and who's not jumping around, then you can switch to, it's called punisher mode. And he does more damage, and what you can also do, so you have you can press circle to dodge and R to block. And the uses of that is somewhat limited. But in Punisher mode, what one cool thing you can do is hold block, and then when they attack you, you automatically attack them back for tons of damage. So uh Barrett's alternate thing, for instance, is just a big attack that does more damage. And it takes it a little bit of a little bit of time to recharge. Um Let's see. Tifa's is also another thing that does extra damage, but she also has an ability 
where you can kind of save that and then you use this ability and it sort of levels that up a little bit, not levels it up like permanently, but like for this battle, it'll like kick it up a notch. And then you, and then when you okay. use it, then it's, then it does even more damage, for example. So you got these alternate attacks as well as abilities and uh, item use and spells. So everybody has abilities, which are uh, different from your little alternate thing. And they are based on, Oh gosh, some of them are specific to the character, and if I remember correctly, some of them are based on what uh, materia you have equipped. So, for instance, on Cloud, I have an Assess Materia, where it's, you can kind of like, if it's the first time you're fighting an enemy, you can use it, and it like examines them. And it'll show you, you you know, you can always use it to see how much HP somebody has, but usually what you want to do is use it the first time you encounter an enemy, and it tells you like what their weaknesses are and their immunities and that kind of stuff. And it also has a thing. There's this kid who's like researching creatures or something like that. And if you do this enough times and you can go back to him and take him the data and he'll give you materia every now and then for, uh, for like using this on a certain number of enemies. And then cloud also has his, um, uh, breaker move is one of his abilities. And the way you use abilities and spells or items is as you are attacking with a character, you have, it's called an ATB gauge filling up this whole time. And it can go up to a max of two bars. Once it goes past, once it gets up to two, then it doesn't continue filling up. You just, you're just wasting it by not using it. Um, And every time you, at least in everything I've encountered, there's nothing, there's no single ability that uses both bars. So really you're generally kind of wasting it if you don't use it as soon as you get it. Um, when you, when your ATB fills up, that's when you can use an ability or a spell or an item. You can't cast spells. Even if you have the MP, you can't cast spells or use items or use abilities unless you have an ATB bar filled up. And then that, and then it depletes it when you use it, of course, and uh, you have to fill it up again to use it. That's where they, um, that's where the kind of turn-based aspect of it comes from. Because what you'll learn very quickly is that these bars fill up pretty frequently. <laughs> like you might fill it up four four times or so just in one like minor battle. And so when it fills up, you want to just use one of your abilities or spells because like I said, it's just wasted. And they do a lot more damage than your regular attacks. So your regular attacks are kind of almost just filler sometimes they will do a lot of damage and they're really worth it but i mean they're always you always need to be attacking it's always worth it that was poor phrasing but once you get it up once you get your gauge filled enough to use an ability that's where you're doing most of your damage so that's kind of why that's kind of how it's like halfway turn based because it's like yeah you're doing stuff here and then but when it's time to use the atb bar that's really where you're doing the majority of your uh, of, of your stuff uh, Cloud's abilities are, he's got the breaker move that just does tons of damage. He's got one called, I think it's focus strike where he lunges at someone and it does uh, stagger damage to them and stagger damage fills up their stagger gauge, which as you can imagine, if it gets all the way, um, filled, then it, then it staggers them and they can't attack for a, a few seconds. And they're also super vulnerable. You, they, they take like something uh, it's either 60% or 160% more damage. Um, okay. I think 
It says 160% on there. I think that means total. So it's like 100 plus 60 more percent damage. So regardless, they take a whole lot more damage when they're staggered. So once somebody gets staggered, then, uh, you know, you want to kind of focus everybody just on that one guy, usually to finish them off. Obviously, it's super important on bosses to stagger them. That's where you're going to be doing the bulk of your damage as well. <coughs> Jeez, I'm still coughing from uh, inhaling my tea earlier. And, uh, and another thing is, as I said, that's also when you can use items. You can't use an item unless uh, your ATB bar, unless you have an ATB bar to spend on using an item. And that's kind of the same thing. It's, it's like turn-based. You can't just use an item whenever you want to. You have to wait until, you know, it's so, such and such character's turn. Then they can use an item, whether it's on them or somebody else is fine. But you can't just use items whenever you feel like it. And I feel like that's what they're trying to accomplish with the ATB bar. You have to kind of think about things and plan stuff out uh, time-wise so you're not free to just heal yourself whenever. You actually have to be actively thinking about when you're going to use these things. I was a little thrown off by the system at first, but I've really come to like it. One thing that I also felt at first was that I was like, damn, I was like, I suck. I'm having to heal all the time. I'm having to heal after, you know, every one or two battles. If the battle goes on and, you know, say it's not even a boss battle, but maybe like a mid-sized battle where there are maybe five or six bad guys as opposed to two or three. It's like, I'm always having to heal in the middle of those. What am I doing wrong? Um, what I kind of came to realize is I don't think I'm actually doing anything wrong. I think that's how it's supposed to be. Because if you think about any turn-based RPG, yeah, you're going to be healing after every couple battles, right? If you get into a big battle, you're probably going to be healing a few times during that big battle, right? So, I think so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's... So I think that's how it's supposed to be. If if you're playing this and you're like, damn, I'm having to heal all the time. I, I keep having to use potions. What am I doing wrong? If you're if you're kind of thinking the same thing I did, like I said, I, I think that's just how it's supposed to be because I also noticed that I always had plenty of potions at any given time to heal with. So it's not like I'm running short on potions and like, geez, you know, there's not enough potions for me to do all this and that. Um, without even having to buy that many potions, you know, just picking up what I find around in the world uh, and buying some here and there every now and then, I've got more than enough potions. So I really think that's just by design. And it kind of feels a little bit awkward if you're like me and you're coming from not having played a lot of more modern RPGs, especially ones that use this type of pseudo turn-based system. So um, once I kind of realize, okay, there's not something that I'm just not understanding. This is just how it is. You're just going to take damage and have to heal. Then I was, then I kind of, you know, came to grips with them. Like, okay, this actually, I'm actually, I actually kind of see what they're going for now. And, uh, and, and, and I think it actually, I think it works pretty well. You know, if you're fighting a a boss, you're probably going to be healing quite a bit. And sometimes I still feel like, oh damn, I'm having to heal too much, but no bosses are supposed to be tough. You're supposed to take a lot of damage. Part of the you know, strategy of being able to beat a boss is knowing when to heal and how to heal most effectively and who to use to heal, you know, your characters and all that kind of stuff. So I'm on board with it. I really am enjoying it. Even when I was kind of like, do I just suck at this? I was still having fun. I just thought that I was doing something wrong and that there was something that I didn't understand. But, uh, so even then it still wasn't really a problem. 
I just didn't quite understand what was going on. Now, now I think I kind of get it and, uh, I'm having more fun with it. So as far as combat goes, I've heard some complaints. Uh, well, I, I say some, I, I, somebody wrote in with a, saying that they didn't really like the combat. I forgot who it was, but, um, so I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to like this. It's not really turn-based, so I don't know. But yeah, I'm, I I do actually like it. I think it works. Uh, my only complaint about uh, combat is sometimes it's hard to tell what... A, well, actually, I'm sorry. I do have two two minor complaints. These are... I do want to emphasize that these are minor because I really do enjoy the combat. Um, one is when you get when you when you get a new character. Like, you don't have Tifa at the start, for instance. You know, eventually you come across her and she joins your party. And it tells you, okay, she's got this and that. And she can do this attack and that attack. It doesn't really do a good job of explaining, like, which, like, whether her alternate attack, like, how much more damage it does. Or, you know, when you when you do that thing I talked about where you can use an ability to kind of level up that, that alternate attack of hers. Like, how much extra that does on top of what it normally does. Um, same with Aerith. I just got her and I'm at a part where it's just, um, you, it was just cloud and Aerith and it's like, yeah, okay. So she's got this normal attack where she just kind of like does a little damage and then she's got a magic attack. If you use triangle, it, it does it's not like a spell that uses MP. It's just kind of like a, basically a, a standard ranged attack that just happens to, you know, look magical. Um, it's like, yeah, and you can do this. You can use her magic attack also, or you can even hold it down. You can hold down the magic attack button and charge it up and it does more damage. And that's good. That gives you the basic idea of what's going on, but it doesn't explain like, okay, well, if I just use a weak magic attack, how much does that do compared to her standard attack? Or if I do hold it down and do a strong magic attack, how much does that do compared to a weak one? So you kind of have to experiment and like really pay close attention to the numbers flying around and try to figure out which one is the one of damage that you did when you're trying to figure out like, okay, how much does this attack do? How much does that attack do? So some, so it's kind of hard to get a grip on just how much damage these attacks do in relation to each other. Um, it took me a little while to kind of get that down and, and, and really start understanding when I should use what also, uh, when you're in battle, you can lock on to enemies. So it's, you know, obviously it's not turn-based. It's everybody just flying around, running around, striking at each other, shooting at each other or whatever. Um, you can press the, the right thumbstick to lock on. And then you use the right thumbstick, press it left or left or right to jump to, you know, and lock on to target, you know, to other targets to, to change the target that you're locked on to. Well, sometimes it's really hard to, when you're in the midst of a battle, you got three guys running around, shooting, swinging, punching, and there are six bad guys that you're all are fighting, or maybe one boss with three three or four different parts you can target. It gets really, really fucking hectic, and it's hard to tell, okay, am I even locked onto something right now? Uh or, you know, I was locked on a second ago, but then I switched to this other character to control him for a second. Then I switched back. Am I still locked on or do I need to lock on again? So you kind of have to, you know, wiggle the joystick a little bit, see if it turns you or if it, or if it targets somebody else. If it does, you got to pull it back to whoever it was targeted on the first time. And then sometimes it's hard to target somebody in the first place, because like I said, battles are fairly hectic. So it's, 
it takes us a few seconds of very val usually a very valuable few seconds to figure out if you're locked on to get locked on if you're not, and then to choose who you want to lock on to um, after you've done that. So the whole lock on system is it could be improved. I think um, when you use abilities and spells and stuff, you press X and it goes into super duper slow motion. It doesn't quite pause it, but it gets very close to it. So you have time to go through, you know, the interface and say, okay, I want to use a spell. Uh, I want to use this spell or, you know, I want to come, I want to give an order to such and such. Let's, let's pick Barrett. All right. Now let's pick his ability. Tell him to use it on this guy. Everything basically goes to bullet time when you're doing that. I wish they would do the same. I wish you could do the same thing when you're choosing who to target, but just because it's so crazy, it's very, it's sometimes very difficult to tell if you're even targeting somebody. And if so, who, uh, so yeah, that's, that's one change I would make, but overall it's a, very minor complaint. I don't really feel like I've been screwed over by it at any point. So that's good. Um, like I said, just one thing that I wish was a little bit different, but as I said, I, I really am truly happy with the, uh, with the combat and with the rest of the game, the music is beautiful. Obviously pretty much all final fantasy music is great. At least all fantasy final fantasy music that I've ever heard. Uh, final fantasy seven definitely has plenty of famous, uh, tracks on its soundtrack and they are all here and they sound wonderful. There are songs that I forgot about that sound that I was reminded of. I was like, Oh, what a great song. There were some parts where I didn't necessarily remember the song or maybe it was even a new one and I just don't remember it, but, or, you know, maybe, maybe it was a new one or, or it wasn't. And I just don't remember it, but there were songs that I didn't even recognize, but that were still just beautiful. The, the graphics, look really good. Uh, what else? Materia is fun. I mean, I know that's not a new thing to Final Fantasy VII, but you got the Materia system. It's here. It's fun to customize your characters. The summons are fun. Um, it's It gives you really good flexibility letting you choose what roles uh, your characters play in general. <coughs> I like to try... When I play RPGs, I try to... I try as much as I can to, you know, when it's plausible or when it seems like it's going to be plausible. I try to steer away from the, all right, this is going to be my, this is going to be my melee guy. This is going to be my white mage. This is going to be my black mage. You know, yep. I try to steer away from that as much as I can. Um, I, like I say, when I think it's plausible, like Final Fantasy one, for instance, I had a feeling that that wasn't plausible. So I'd had exactly two melee damage, one black mage. One white mage. But when I played Final Fantasy 2, I tried to mix it up a tiny bit. On this one, I'm going... Um, so the way I have it, my party set up this time is... Tifa is just straight melee DPS. Which I know that's not necessarily anything new. But Cloud, I'm going heavy on the magic. And then Barrett is my support character. And you have the flexibility to do this. Everybody so far has... Um, I've unlocked, you know, you start off, they start off with the primary weapon and I've gotten one new weapon for each of them that you just unlock by doing stuff. And it's typically like, all right, this is a damage weapon or this is a weapon that you can use for other things, whether it's uh, support or, uh, or spell casting, you know, you like DPS spell casting or DPS support basically. So Barrett has a alternate gun, which I've equipped him with, which is, which is weaker, but it has more materia slots. So I have him doing Things like cast barrier, 
healing and stuff like that, and then doing you know sh- you know uh, range damage when he's not casting support spells. And then, I, like I said, I have Cloud heavily magic focused. Obviously, he still is doing a lot. Of, he's he's in the thick of the battle, you know, ninety nine percent of the time, still hacking away with his sword. But I also use him very, you know, as much as possible to cast uh, flame specifically with him. Flame and poison are, are what I have him cast most of the time, and that's really fun because it's not just okay. Cloud's going to do damage. Tifa's, you know, maybe going to kind of support him and. Barrett's going to do damage also. It's uh, it's fun. I just like mixing it up a little bit, seeing what, you know, alternate kind of combinations I can have. It's really fun having the guy with the gun for an arm be a support character <laughs> rather than a rather than a DPS character. Uh, the cutscenes are great. Like I said, the story, I actually care about the story. Um, I wasn't sure how that was going to play out. I didn't know if it was just going to be like kind of bad, like some RPGs are. Um, you know, Final Fantasy VII story, I don't remember enough of it to have an expectation in reference to how, to what the original was like, but I was like, you know, I bet it's going to be corny. There's definitely corny stuff, but the story overall is pretty good. And I even don't mind Cloud's characterization. They are, so it is emo Cloud for sure. Uh, I don't love that, but I feel like he's not a terribly, uh, abrasive emo Cloud. Um, he's very tolerable to me. I don't know if most other people feel the same way or not, but to me, I was like, you know, every once in a while he says something like, ah, don't do that cloud. But like, overall, I'm like, you know what? I don't really mind the character. He's, he's fine. Um, what else, man? I think that's just about it. I'm just absolutely loving this game. It is so much fun. I've loved every minute that I've played of it so far. That's crazy. Especially after the the wait, I'm glad that it is it is really good. I think my favorite part of everything you said so far was even even the times when you didn't necessarily know what you were doing or trying to figure out what you were doing, you were still having fun, which is kind mm-hmm. of uncommon. I mean, there's a lot of games where if you struggle and you don't really understand what to do or where to go, you end up just getting frustrated and just turn off and come back to it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was kind of surprised by that too. Yeah, even though I was like, what am I doing wrong in battles? I'm getting taking all this damage. Then I realized that has, that. I think that's how it's supposed to be. But before I realized that the battles themselves were still lots of fun. So, so yeah. Uh, one other, one thing that's really funny is that, um, there, uh, so they, they definitely are, I'm pretty sure this is on purpose, not shying away from the fact that a whole lot of this game is just chalked up to the, the reason things happen or don't happen is just video game logic. Um, like for instance, cloud flying a hundred stories and crashing through a church, you know, ceiling and just landing on the ground, but he ends up okay. For instance, things like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's also really funny when you're, when you're doing the first mission and you're blowing up the Mako reactor, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. so you blow it up and then you're just like out in the town walking around, like playing it cool. Like, like you don't know, you know, that you're just, you're just like any other guy walking around town, wondering oh who could have done that except you're wearing a sword that's bigger than you are you're hanging out with a guy it's got a fucking gatling gun for an arm and uh and nobody's suspicious about you guys everybody you're you're walking around everybody it's got you know just regular people are all around the city but oh my gosh what happened 
we got, I got to get home. Who, who could have done this? And you're just walking around like, yeah, who, who could have done that? Like, you don't think that looks suspicious at all for you to be, uh, you know, hanging out for, for these characters to be hanging out together with like these enormous weapons strapped to their bodies. And then you get on the, uh, uh, the, the, what? Isn't it a train you get on? Yeah, 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 yeah. You get on the train and go home. You go back to your, uh, back to like where everybody lives Mm -hmm. and you get off the train and Barrett steps off. Oh yeah. And Barrett is enormous by the way. Like even if he didn't have a gun for an arm, you would look at it and be like, yeah, that's the guy who did it. Cause he's the size of five bodybuilders, but you get off the train and, uh, Barrett's like, yeah, we did it. (laughs) And then, uh, and like while everybody's sitting around being like, oh my gosh, you could have done that. He gets out and yells, yeah, we did it. And then you guys are like, oh yeah. And you're like giving each other fives. So he turns around. And he's like, hey, shut up. You want it. You want it. You want everybody to think, you know, everybody's going to hear you guys. Shut the fuck up. What are you all talking about? What are you doing? So uh, that was when I was like, okay, the Square Enix knows what's going on here. And they're just, they're just playing around with it and having fun. There are plenty of also like times where it has like awkward Japanese kind of comedic timing. Like you're, you're running around with, uh, I don't think Barrett's there at this point, but you're with, uh, no, 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 and not even Tifa. You're with uh, another, I forgot her name, but there's another girl who's like a prominent member of their, uh, of their organization. Oh, Jesse? Oh, I'm sad Jessie? that I don't remember, but yeah, I think it is Jesse. And, yeah, and Jesse Biggs and Wedge are the, okay. Three. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yes. It's them three. And you're, you're sneaking around the city doing something and you're like, all right, we're going to go do this or something. And they all kind of like look at you and they're like, uh-huh. And they all like stick out their thumbs and do like it's a really exaggerated thumbs up all at the same time. Uh, just like goofy stuff like that. It's uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I just am loving this game head to toe. That's awesome to hear. I actually haven't talked to anybody who's played it so far. I, I watched a little bit of people play it on stream, but I'm just kind of waiting for it to come out on PC whenever it does and try not to get too much into it. Um, the amount that's released right now is just up to the escape from Midgar, correct? I believe so. I, I don't know exactly where it goes up to, but that sounds about right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm actually very excited to play it. At least give it a shot, especially, you know, with how, how, um, how good you're making it sound. Yeah, I am absolutely loving it. Um, I read today that, you know, my, my only fear is when's the next one going to come out <laughs> and is this, and how many are there going to be? Um, I don't, I, I think they said, didn't they, didn't they say it was going to be like six or seven? Oh, gee. I don't think they've said, because I did read recently that they, some, that somebody on the Square Enix team said that they're considering maybe doing smaller releases here on out. So that they don't have to wait years in between each one. Um, I would be no fine with that. number as of yet. Yeah, but no number. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they'll probably just do it until they stop making money, to be honest. Because they, they want to expand on the story of a lot of extra characters that they weren't able to do in the original game. Maybe so. I, I mean, there's going to be... I think it's safe to say there there would be a minimum of four, don't you think? More than four, yeah. Because I mean, more than if that. you think that get, escaping Midgar is like, oof, maybe maybe eight hours in the original game, and the game yeah. I think is like 
about 40, 40 to 50 hours minimum. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, one twentieth, so five to six parts, I would say. Yeah. Um. Well, that's that would be one like. Not one twentieth, but uh. Well, if it's forty, eight goes into five. What? Eight divided by forty divided by eight is five. Correct. That's why I said five or six, depending. Because if it, it that's oh, yeah, forty okay. to fifty hours, yeah, okay, it would be one fifth. I was like, did math changed? Okay. Uh, you you got the math right on one part and wrong on the other part. Okay, it's okay though. Okay. I'm here to make you feel bad about it. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how that works. All right, so uh, solid recommend from me, I, and I I'm not going to talk about it every episode, but I will come back to it once I finish it uh, and talk about it again. So, Have they said how much the extra pieces are going to be too, or no? I think it just all depends on whether they do end up, you know, doing shorter episodes or not. I, you know, if they, I don't really mind either way. I would like to get them, you know, more often in smaller pieces so that I don't have to wait forever for the next one to come out. But I really don't mind if they do it that way, if that's what they decide to do. As long if it's all as good as this, I'm happy, honestly, just no matter what they do. Yeah, I just don't want to pay $60 every two years, you know. <laughs> I don't mind paying. Hey, I would be okay with that. If they're all as good as this and it doesn't get too ridiculously blown out, I honestly would be okay with that even. Okay. Listen here, money bags. <laughs> $60 every two years. Okay. I'll, I'm going to, let's go back to you and then I'll do my other one last. Sure. Um, so I've been kind of on a Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy um, kind of kick over the last little bit. And I was doing some research trying to find some other Game Boy games that, it, the reason that, let me pull back a bit. So I've been playing a decent amount of Game Boy and Game Boy Color games because the emulator I got, I really like. And it's very easily accessible, so I've been trying to find more and more Game Game Boy games to play. And, and realistically, there there aren't. Um, I, I played a handful of Game Boy Color games growing up, but primarily the the really popular ones, you know, the Pokemon games um, and some of the other RPGs that came out for for the Game Boy Color. And I really enjoyed a lot of them. And I, so I was looking at some some recommendations, and I probably I probably went through like realistically like twenty or twenty five different lists that people had to see if there were any games that were one of those those game those kind of undiscovered gems type right. thing. And I came across this game that a lot of people recommended, and I just really didn't think much of it because it, it's it's a, um, a side-scrolling platformer called Shant. I think it's pronounced Shantae. Or sh oh, Shantae! Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you you know about this? Yes, it's uh, a okay. very famous for for selling. Well, not maybe not selling, but being ridiculously priced on eBay. Oh, really? Why? Because it's I mean, a it's supposed to be a really good game, like you said, but it didn't sell very well so there aren't many copies out there and then sometimes oh, okay. stuff just gets inflated ridiculously on ebay you know anyways if it's the least bit rare so gotcha. copies i have i actually have an ebay alert set up for when this goes on sale if there's ever a reasonably priced one usually it's selling for like a thousand dollars wow so so i i want to so sorry this is game boy color right Correct. Okay. 
Yeah, so, so this game came out in 2002 um, by WayForward and published by Capcom. And this game is very good. It, it, is, <laughs> it, it is exceptionally good. I was very impressed. because Generally, when you think of, of Game Boy Color games or Game Boy games, they're generally pretty simplistic, right? Unless you get the top-tier games. You know, we talked about Pokemon um, Silver and Gold numerous times. You know, there are those games that are, like, very well-known, very successful games. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game, it, it was on a lot of people's lists. And I was, like, really surprised by it because I'd, I'd never heard of it. Um, there, there have been multiple installments of this game throughout the years. There's been at least like two or three that I've seen um, other than this one. But um, to your point, I mean, this game, it, it, I had never heard of it, but it, it's very good. It, it's a, it, it doesn't do anything extremely unique necessarily, but it has certain elements to it that kind of make you go, huh, that's, that's pretty innovative and a little bit creative. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I'll, I'll kind of talk about that more. So the game is is essentially a very simple um, side-scrolling platformer with with some elements to it. So the game basically starts off, and you, you kind of get dropped into it. In in older games, you know, you you generally get a very brief amount of story, and then generally you get pushed into some sort of combat or some sort of action scene, and then you get a lot more story after that, and then the game kind of starts, right? Yeah. And this game is is no exception to that. You essentially you're playing as this character named Shantae, who's who's a half genie, and essentially these pirates are are going to attack the city. And so you want to try and go to, to, to warn the city. And essentially, you, you try to cross this drawbridge. And the pirate ship starts to open fire on you with cannonballs. And essentially, you have to dodge them. And then they break away the bridge at, at certain parts. And you have to jump over it, you know, et cetera, et It's cetera. a platformer, right? Yeah, it's a side-scrolling platformer. Okay. Um, so um, the things this game does well. So uh, the, the actual design of the game like the creativity that comes with with the levels is very interesting because it it is how do i describe it so so the levels are are pretty lengthy and you essentially get sort of a a save state after you complete a level which a level isn't like your typical level because it's just like a single map so when you go from the left side of the map to the right side of the map or vice versa that's completing what is what it's constituted as a level, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're progressing in the game because you could go back and forth throughout the same same levels over and over and over, and if you, if you wanted to farm or if you need to go back to the city or what, what have you. Because essentially, when you start out, you're in the main city, and then you leave the city to go to start your quest, and then you can go to further cities and you can kind of go back and forth between them um, as you please. So the actual one of the creative, the first creative aspect I want to talk about is is when you're in the cities. It's this very weird perspective. You're essentially standing in the center of the city, and I guess the best way to visualize it is the entire city is around you, right? So you're standing in the very center of the city. You're you're looking at the perspective of kind of over Shantae's shoulders, and you basically position her using the, the left and right directional pad to align with the different stores. So if you want to go to the hot springs, which is where you heal, then you basically like press left until the character slowly turns and turns and turns. And then once you're aligned with it, you press the up key, and she basically runs towards it off, off into the distance to go inside the building. And then you, you go into the building. It's interesting. It's a very unique perspective of, of a city. And it, it kind of, sure. it's one of the moments where you're like, huh, that's, that's very creative. And visually, it's, it's very pleasing. It, it, it's surprising. I mean, this is a game by color games. The graphics are nothing, nothing amazing. But this, this visualization actually caught me off guard. And, and I think I've been through three or four different cities. And each time I always kind of appreciate it because it almost encourages exploration because of the camera angle. And I know that sounds really bizarre, but the, the, the town itself, it, it, it's kind of cool looking. Uh, the different, different stores you can go to, you know, you can go to places where you can purchase. There's like, um, there's a place where you can heal. I talked about that. There's these warp wells that you can utilize to teleport. I, I believe it's between towns. I haven't used them yet. 
but you can essentially use them to, if you don't have to go between towns, which is basically you um, running between the levels. I'm doing air quotes again um, <laughs> in order to do so. There are some other things you can do in the towns, which I haven't really unlocked everything. There's a dance club, um, which you can't do anything until nighttime, which I don't know what that means because I was a little bit, a little bit scared about that. Um, so yeah, that, that, that kind of kicks off the game. You get the, the story. The story is nothing too crazy. It's, it's, it's nothing special. It, it definitely keeps enough attention. And some of the dialogue is, is pretty creative. It's a little cringy. Um, there's a, there's the, the final boss. I think her name is like something boots. Let me see what it's called. Hold on. She's a pirate. Her name is risky boots. And which is pretty good. But essentially you meet this gentleman at a certain point in the game and he's like, oh yeah, I saw her. She was going to this place and, and I told her where it was. And you're like, why'd you tell her where it was? And he's like, I don't know. Her perfume smelled really good and she was really pretty or something like that. <laughs> and it's kind of cringy and it's kind of weird. And then like you get to the place, like the entrance to the dungeon, he's like, oh, I could still smell her perfume. Or <laughs> it's it's kind of weird. And um, so so like there's a little bit, a little bit of humor, a little bit's kind of cringy. But one of the really bizarre things of this game um, is, is the, so I'll talk about the, the, the commands because the commands kind of evolve into some other topics. The controls are, they're okay. They're not exceptional. Um, there's definitely that I have some complaints with it. So the A button is your jump ability, obviously, right? And you can move around with the D-pad. Um, this is a Game Boy game, so you only have the D-pad and A and B. Plus start and select, obviously. When you press B, she whips her hair, and it, it, it's like an attack command. And you can crouch to, to low aim, or you can you know, on crouch or, or stand normally in order to swing um, horizontally. Because it's from that perspective, you can only swing left or right. Um, but the B button, if you hold it down, which I learned pretty far into playing the game for goddamn sake, you after you whip your hair, if you press and hold the B button, you can then run back and forth. And I didn't know you could do it for the, for the longest time. Mm. But the problem with it is, when you want to like do a long jump, or if you want to if you want to get like a sprinting jump, you press B and you hold it. So she whips her hair. Then you have to. It, it kind of takes a second to build up momentum. Then you're sprinting. So then you have to kind of go back and forth for a second, and then hit the A button to jump. And it's it's kind of an annoying combination at times because you basically have to press and hold one key bind while moving in order to activate it, and then press and hold it longer while and then and then hit the A button because essentially. It's just kind of hard to time, and for a platformer where certain jumps require you to be pretty specific or pretty accurate on where you jump from, it can be kind of annoying because you can miss your jumps because, again, you have to get into the sprinting motion, and some of the platforms you're jumping to and from are kind of small, so it, it makes it kind of annoying. Um, okay. The other thing I learned just, just playing today, so when you crouch down... I, I don't know why, but the character, so it, you're, you're half genie, so you're dressed in, in imagine, um, who's the, the, the female character in uh, Aladdin? Jasmine. You're in a, a red, basically Jasmine's outfit, but it's red, okay? When you okay. crouch down, I guess I kind of got to, I don't know if I have to show it to you, but she, she starts wiggling her ass <laughs> while looking back at it. <laughs> that, and, that, the, the look back is, is what... Is what does it? I think, I think this is my thousand dollar game, to be honest with you. <laughs> but it's kind of weird because you can understand this in a Game Boy Color game. Yeah. And I, I was a little confused. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I crouched down. She's wiggling her ass. I'm like, okay. So the whole purpose of crouching is so you can swing your hair low if you need to hit enemies that are low. Well, what I learned is there are certain platforms. Hi, Diego. There are certain platforms that you can, if you press down on, she kind of stomps her way through them in order to break them, um, which I didn't know was a mechanic of the game until really today, which is kind of annoying because there's a couple of spots where I didn't know. I was trying to figure it out. I was like, they, they look like, you know, the breakables in Metroid, mm -hmm. the, the ground, it kind of oh, looks yeah. like that. And I was like, oh, okay, these must be breakable. 
And what, what I'm learning is you can actually break them by, by doing this command, which I was kind of annoyed by because they, they don't teach you. There, there's no like, hey, this is how you do this. They do, you just kind of have to figure it out as you're going along, um, which, is, which can be kind of annoying. But um, I haven't really talked about the levels yet. So, so some of the, the uniqueness of this game, the first thing is there's a day-night cycle, which is very interesting. I don't know how long the day-night cycles are. Um, the only real impact it has is the monsters get stronger. So when you're going between a level, you can, you know, like Sonic the Hedgehog, you can just skip over all the fun stuff and just kind of race your way to the end generally. Yeah, just like jump over everything. Yeah, you you can kind of do that. Um, there is some false spots where if you if you uh, miss your jump, you will just fall to your death. You have four lives to start with, and you can get more uh, by buying them or by collecting them throughout the levels. There's a decent amount of secrets. You know, it it's got a lot of jumping puzzles to it, and there's some some input commands you can do in order to acquire some additional money or to skip certain parts of it. So I do like that there's multiple paths throughout each level. There are some dead ends that I ran into, which were kind of annoying, which essentially you'd be like progressing, progressing, and maybe you fall at one spot and you just get stuck in this dead end and you have to backtrack a lot and then climb your way back up. Oh, and climbing can be pretty annoying. Yeah, because the, the monsters in the game, there, there's, a, there's a good variety of monsters, surprisingly enough. There, there's, I probably encountered like 25 monsters so far that I've seen. And they they generally have you you have this same sort of relationship with them, which is essentially okay. What is this fucker gonna do? Is he gonna aim high or aim low? Oh, he aims low. Shit, I got hit. Okay, next time I won't get hit. And then kind of from that point on, you generally don't get hit unless you do something greedy. Oh, this guy hits high. Oh, this guy throws throws something at me. Like you you kind of understand very quickly how to avoid them. There are certain monsters that I just completely avoid because they do some really random stuff. Um, but generally, the monsters they spawn pretty frequently. You can farm them pretty easily for money. And you can progress through levels. You have three hearts, and every time a monster hits you, you lose one half of a heart. If you fall down a pit or whatever, you just die. Uh, so when you when you get a game over, th- this is what kind of bugged me about it. So so when you get a game over, you just kind of teleport back to the la- the end of the last screen or level you were at before. So if you're progressing between cities, then you clear a level, and then you go to the next one and you die. You'll just you'll go back with full lives to the previous one, which is already cleared. Which it's it's kind of a it's not really like a, a, a solid mechanic to the game. I feel like they you should just have unlimited lives and just have to re-clear the section that you've already started. It's just kind of weird. The game over has no real punishment to it. You don't lose your money, which is kind of weird. So okay. it, it doesn't really have any punishment other than teleporting you back to the previous screen, which I'm like, when you die, that happens anyways. So it, 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 it's just kind of weird. I, I think huh. they, they probably didn't think about it too much, but I, I just think it's kind of unnecessary if I had to say it. Um, so the day night cycle is pretty cool visually. The graphics are they're not they're not terrible. I mean it's not it's game by color game, so the graphics are, are relatively enjoyable. The UI is a little bit clunky. It's it's not really anything anything special. Um, but the music's really good, surprisingly. The the music hmm. is very good. The the bad the bad guy esque music is very evil. It's very evil sounding. The non bad guy music is good. It, it it's very adventurous um, sounding. And some of the bosses, when they're when they're when you're having dialogue interactions with them, the music's actually good, it, it, and they're not super short tracks. Like you would think a Game Boy Color game, you'd have like thirty second intervals. It may be thirty second intervals. I don't know for sure, but it doesn't sound like it. The, the tracks are pretty unique, and they use some pretty creative instruments. Normally, with Game Boy Color games, in my experience, you generally get a pretty uh, how do I put this kind of kind of background noise. You know, just enough to, to know it's there, mm-hmm. just so it's not silent. This game is pretty, uh, it's it's pretty strong. I mean, they, they, they do a great job of, of expanding on it throughout the game so far. Uh, 
So, so the music's pretty. The music's really good. I would say the music is above average. Awesome. It, it definitely beat my expectations. I wasn't playing with sound for the first day or so. I just, I just generally think generally when I play Game Boy or Game Boy Advance games, I just don't really need it because I just don't think it's going to be anything special. But yeah. the music's actually the sound effects are okay. They're, they're nothing, nothing to uh, write home about. Um, Trying to think what else. Oh, the puzzles. So, so the puzzles when you when you basically clear some of the levels and you get to the next towns, um, you generally get some quests to go do some stuff, and then you get to some of these dungeons. Now, I will say the dungeons were kind of frustrating and in in a not fun kind of stupid way. The puzzles were in the dungeons. It was one of those things where it, it promotes backtracking. So you basically work your way through it, find a key, backtrack, open a door, find it, work your way through it, find a key, backtrack, open a door. And the problem with it is, if you get a game over, you have to start over. And that's really frustrating because some of these dungeons are fucking annoying and the mm. jumping puzzles are just idiotic. They're very precise and there are certain mechanics that, I forgot to mention this, when you get hit, like a lot of old games, you kind of get stunned in the air for a second and become invulnerable and that can stop your jump movement. So it can cause you to fall. And when you've worked your way up to the top of, a, of like a, uh-huh. an opening, it can be really annoying when you fall. It's just, it's not fun. It's one of the things where you're like, Great! I have to re-jump this entire area. I'm gonna stop playing for now. I'm gonna come back and right. you know when, when I feel like playing again, type thing. So I wasn't really impressed with with that. The boss battles are, are the first one is really gimmicky. I found a it, it's a dude with a cannon, and essentially below him he has like this door that opens with an explosive barrel, and you could just sit underneath the cannon and never take damage. He can't hit you, and then you just <laughs> beat the barrel to death. And it's like, okay, how the hell did they not think of that? Like this is how you beat the boss by hitting this barrel, and while you're hitting the barrel, he can't hit you. Like what? So um, some of the bosses got a little bit more adventurous and a little bit more enjoyable. Um, but th- this game was, was uh, I-, I was impressed. I-, I, was, I was actually pretty damn impressed. The, the things that stuck out to me for the most were, again, the dialogue was pretty good. It's not, it's not amazing, but it, it's a, it was actually impressive for this. The overall gameplay was pretty fun. I liked trying to sprint through the levels and just avoiding enemies as much as I could. Um, the music, again, w- was, was pretty strong. And, and just kind of the overall atmospheric um, aspect of the game, the level the level design uh, visually was very different each time. You know, you had your typical, um, almost like Aladdin theme, you know, you're in a city, it, it probably is somewhere in the desert type thing. And then you had like a forest level, but all the levels look different at night, right? Because there's this day night cycle, which they did a good job of the, of the, the visuals for the night cycles. Because, you know, you went from really? this desert city. Yeah, it's like this desert city, very well lit till everything's in, in, in different hues of blues and purples and blacks. And it, it's pretty damn good. Um, so I, I definitely have to give him credit for that. Uh, what else? It's not very long. Um, I am more than halfway done and I've only progressed probably at least eh, probably three or four hours, I would say. I, I'm more than halfway done, I believe. Um, oh, I mean, that's, that's pretty good for Game Boy Color. Yeah, I would say so. And I, and I would say in my three to four hours, I've definitely died quite a few times. Um, one of the other things I, I forgot to mention as well is, is as you get through the different shrines, you get the ability to transform into different animals, which have different mechanics to them. Um, I haven't gotten too far into them so far. There, there's definitely like some some pretty interesting mechanics to it. And it's it's it added some definite value to the game. Like I think the first one I got was the monkey, which allows you to climb certain walls. Um, which kind of adds another element to it. it. It's one of those things that allows you to progress further and further and further into the game. You know what I mean? Like every time you unlock a certain a certain ability, it allows you to progress a little bit further. Um, trying to think what else. There's definitely some collectibles. There's certain things you can collect that are kind of hard to achieve. They're, they're achieved through like jumping puzzles or going back and revisiting certain towns once you have certain abilities. And I don't know what they all do yet. I just know that I kind of want to collect some of them. So 
Um, oh, let me look at my notes real quick. Make sounds sure super. I mean, it sounds like it's holding, like, like it lives up to its reputation. Yeah, it, it, it's it's surprisingly good. Oh, you rescue this uh, scientist at one point, and he's like, "Oh, they they stole my steam engine," and she's like, "What's a steam engine?" And he actually explains what a siege a steam engine is in a way. <laughs> That is like extremely good. Like, like, techni explains, like, like technically explains it. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's like it's surprising with a visual element. I'm like, damn, like that's actually a pretty good. <laughs> what a steam engine is. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's Holy shit! It sounds uh, I had, I've heard that it's very good, but I haven't. I had never heard many. Like I knew it was platformer. That was it. I didn't know many specifics about why it was uh, so good. Yeah, I, I would recommend it. It, it, it. It's one of those, like I said, it, it's kind of those things that it, it's one of those gems. One of those, we always talk about this, like, you know, one of those classic games that we haven't heard of. It, it may, you have obviously heard of this, and maybe a lot of people have. Maybe I'm just missing on this one. But it's just one of those games that I, I've seen, I saw on a lot of people's lists. I was like, really? Like, there, there are certain games I see on lists. Like, I look at top 50, top 100 lists a lot for classic games. Because I'm always just curious what other people think. Um, and I always love to see what people's top 10 are, because every single time, I'm just like, you're an idiot. But even though they're yeah. probably right from their perspective, but um, I was like to see it, and this game popped up on so many lists, and I, I can understand why. I mean, it is it is there are not a lot of amazing games for the Game Boy Color by any means. So this is this is definitely a, a very strong contender. Damn, hell yeah, okay. Well, uh, as you were telling us about the game, I pulled up a few eBay listings. Here's one. Three hundred dollars. Three hundred for just the manual. Does it have a picture runner or something? What is the deal? Huh? What is the deal? It's just because it's so rare and people have heard about it now and want it. Here's one with just the cartridge for $404. No box, no manual. Here Why is, is a so money? complete inbox with a sticker on the box. $2,135. Is somebody actually going to pay that? I don't know if anybody has. Here's another one, $2,700. This one doesn't have like a EB Games sticker on it, so maybe that's why they're trying to get a little bit more. Actually, it does look like it's in really good uh, condition. <clears throat> but uh, these are insanely expensive. And I see, and I, like I said, I see them go for this all the time. I, I don't actually you know, know how many sell but i see them listed like this all the time and i never see them listed at like even you know anything <laughs> i've never seen them any anywhere out of that ballpark makes sense so uh yeah. it's um kind of it's it's insane i think That's eventually i think eventually they'll they'll start coming down because uh, people try to generally charge a whole lot for a while, and then over time they don't sell. So then eventually they do start going back down. But um, usually they're not this insane by any means. Usually it's still well under a thousand dollars. That's actually crazy, even for really rare games. But yeah, it is crazy. Anyway. Okay, so cool. I'm I'm really glad you played that because I had wanted to know more about it. Yeah, um, I'm glad too. It, it was it was one of the, like I said, it was one of those things that I was just surprised was so good. Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. 
My other game is Mario Kart 64. Oh. <laughs> this is, I wrote down Super Nintendo. Nope. This is a Nintendo 64 game. It came out in 1996 in Japan and 97 in the United States. And you probably are familiar with the Mario Kart series, anybody who's listening to this. This is the second Mario Kart game. The first one, of course, being for Super Nintendo. And it follows the same general Mario Kart premise, which is it's a racing game. Um, you're in little carts rather than fully enclosed cars. You, It's, it's real lighthearted and arcadey. It's just kind of fun. It's very cartoony. You get weapons on the track. Uh, you pick up weapons by, by running through these little boxes with question marks on them. And uh, it's all Mario characters racing each other, of course. And the weapons are usually like turtle shells that you can shoot at each other. Sometimes you get banana peels that you can lay down on the track. And they're a hazard if somebody runs over them, then you spin out. Um, really not a whole lot more than that. Oh, yeah, there's the mushrooms that you can get that give you a boost. There's stars that make you invincible for a little while and make you go extra fast for, for a short time. <clears throat> of course, there's the famous lightning where uh, it you it hits everybody oh, yeah. and everybody else gets shrunk really bad and they go super slow for like five or 10 seconds. And you can also run over them and smash them and it makes them like stop. We call that the friendship ender. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's pretty much it in, in this, um, in this installment of the game. I think those are about it. So there are green turtle shells that just shoot straight forward. And there's also red ones that will seek out whoever's closest to you, uh, in front of you and, and hit them. And so, uh, this is the, oh, and there, this one has this hilarious scream that Toad does. If you hit him with a turtle shell, it's like, wow. it, the, it reminds me of the scream of the death scream in Final Fantasy Tactics. It's oh, like, it's that good? It's, it is so good. It sounds like somebody threw him off a cliff when you hit Toad. It is great. You just hear him. He goes, Ah! <laughs> look, look it up if you can. It is so good. I got I cracked up Poor every time Toad. I heard it. But um, so this is them. This is Nintendo taking you know the Mario Kart formula. Of course, the the first game was 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 fantastic, and putting it into 3D territory. So they do a great job of visually creating cool good looking levels, creative looking levels, also just being creative with the level design themselves. Um, some of the levels, like I said, just look great. Bowser's castle looks awesome. Peaches. There's oh, a yeah. peaches. There's like a uh, mushroom kingdom castle, peaches castle level where you're not inside the uh, castle, but you're going around it and it looks great. It's, you know, bright and colorful like any Mario, like any regular Mario game is. There's a Donkey Kong level that looks really good. Wario has a level where it's like a dirt track level almost. Uh, like a dirt bike track level kind of, I mean. And then there are some uh, some other levels where they do interesting things. Again, keeping in mind, this is only the second installment of the series. There's one where uh, there you're on a highway. And that's that's the kind of a level that's been used a lot in, in other Mario Kart games since. But this is the first time they did it. You're on a highway and there's real life-size cars driving around that are all hazards and you get, and you're screwed if you run into one, there's one level where, so, you know, in, um, in Mario Kart, how it typically will show you, you know, off to the side of the screen somewhere, who's in first, who's in second, who's in third and who's in fourth. Well, 
This has that, except for on this one level, it just has question marks for everything. And the whole course is just this winding pretzel of paths going every which way. And you just decide where you want to go and basically hope you end up ahead of everybody and hope you're actually making progress in some way. Uh, it's really cool. It's, it's really fun. They did a good job of creating, you know, interesting levels, being really creative with the levels. Um, unfortunately, the problem is most of the levels are not very hard. Even the ones that are, you know, cool and creative and they have neat ideas, they're not actually challenging to race. Even on the highest speed, which is what I was playing the game on, um, you know, typically, like in the first Mario, if you, it's, you know, 50cc, 100cc, and 150cc are the, 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 basically the speeds that you can pick. If you pick low, game's pretty easy. If you pick high, it actually is pretty challenging sometimes to go around corners, you know, correctly without crashing into a wall or going into the grass and slowing down and stuff like that. This one, like I said, playing it on full speed was still a pretty easy game track wise. You know, sometimes you might get screwed because somebody is shooting you with turtle shells or whatever. You always have to be aware of that. But the tracks themselves were not very hard and most of them were actually pretty easy which was uh, a big contrast between this and the first one. The first one kind of did it very well where you have to worry about other characters as well as the track itself. And this one, it's more like, oh, you know, just worry about the other guys and just don't do anything too stupid. And uh, th- there are some challenging parts of a few tracks, but overall, they're all just very easy, including the very final track of the game, Rainbow Road. Oh yeah, the classic. it's one of the easiest tracks in the whole game. <laughs> it it doesn't even have you can't even fall off the edge. Well, you may be able to if you like really? go flying enough. Yeah, it has walls, so you can't fall. You can't oh. just drive off the edge. That's not how Rainbow Road's supposed to be, right? It's supposed uh. to be hard. You're supposed to be able to just drift off the edge if you're not stealing right. No, the track is wide as hell. There's walls. If somehow you do reach the edge, and uh, it like I said. It's cool because it's a rainbow in space that you're driving on. That's about it. It was not... It, like I said, this one in particular was one of the easiest tracks in the game. Um, the Haunted House level. You can fall off the edges on that one, but even it still wasn't very hard. Um, I will say that, you know, a lot of Mario Kart games have a bad reputation of rubber banding, right? You... <laughs> If you're in front, then you're just going to get screwed at the end of the race and every you're going to get hit by a million turtle shells at a time and everybody's going to pass you. This one isn't so bad about that. There is some rubber banding, but I find that one, it's it's pretty moderate and also two, it's pretty equal. Whereas if you are, if I was doing bad in last place, I would notice that I would seem like I would tend to get stars more often um, to make you go faster and just be able to plow through people. Whereas if I was in the front, Sometimes I, I might get screwed over a little bit, but I, but it was never too bad. It was never anything that put me from, you know, first to seventh place or something. It was usually like, oh, I might get knocked, something might happen. I might get knocked down one or two, maybe three spots um, at the most. So I really can't complain about that. I think they did a good job of actually keeping that fairly well balanced. Um, you know, rubber banding isn't great in and of itself, but they, they implemented it in a not very egregious way. So I was okay with that. Uh that's kind of all I have to say about it. This, this, another thing this does improve on in the, from, uh, from the first one is that the first one was kind of weird as far as items go. 
and like the like the weapons i mean so i don't know if you remember but just like this one and just like any mario kart game you pick up weapons as you play you pick up the turtle shells and stuff that you can shoot at people but in the very first one uh the other characters like they didn't have to run over question mark squares or anything they had like their own special weapons that they could use and they even had stuff that like you couldn't get yourself like uh peach for instance had a mushroom that she could shoot and it kind of like a banana but she could shoot it forward and it would land somewhere and if you hit it it'll 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 fuck you up and then they also had like basically unlimited uses of these they could kind of just use them whenever they wanted to uh it was really weird but this one did away with that. So everybody has an equal ground. The characters, they don't get something unless they run through a question mark block, as far as I can tell. And they don't have like anything unique that's special that, that you can't get yourself. And they don't just get unlimited uses of stuff. So it was good that they did away with that system. But, uh, and, and like I said, the graphical upgrade, the game looks fantastic. They really did a good job of putting it in 3D and making it look good. But the racing itself just isn't as good. I... I I played through the whole game and had, and it was fine. I probably wouldn't go back and play it anymore though. Whereas I would definitely go back and play super Mario, uh, Mario Kart on super, on super Nintendo some more because you know, well, you know, part of me, part of me is probably just because I do really like the 2d graphics on that. Um, I just have a soft spot for, for pixel art. And, uh, but also the, the, the races themselves, the tracks themselves were more challenging. It did feel like more of an accomplishment to do good on a track Aside from just, oh, I dodged turtle shells. It's like, no, I actually did a good job of racing also at the same time. So for me, this doesn't quite live up to the original. It's not a bad game by any means. Uh, a lot of it is done pretty well, but the racing itself isn't quite as good. <laughs> and I just don't see much of a reason to go back and play it when you have the Super Nintendo version. And also... Six other, you know, besides this and besides the Super Nintendo, yeah. six other installments that are all, well, not all, but there are plenty of other better ones to play. So that's all I got for Mario Kart 64. Wasn't, it was good. It was all right. It was fine. Yeah, it wasn't great. Gotcha. Not as good as Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> um. All right, Jay, let's talk about our top five uh, picks for the world Music, uh, no, World Video Game, the Strong Hall of Fame Museum of Plays World Video Game Hall of Fame. Yes, there it is. I got it. I was hoping I asked Lisa for her input, but she told me I can't can't give that to the people. So, oh, she damn it! And everything. I know we're gonna have a special. I wanted to, I wanted to get a third opinion on this. I really. That's what I said. I was actually thinking I may start getting a third opinion from random people that I know for the top five, just to say, you know. Hunter says this, or my brother says this, just to. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, okay. I think I think that's that would be actually a pretty interesting idea. Cool. All right, I'll so the uh, Strong Museum of Play, they have a World Video Game Hall of Fame that they started right around the time that this podcast started. I think this well is maybe maybe about a year really, after. I didn't know that old. Okay. Yeah, it, not quite as old. So this is the maybe the fourth year. Fourth. Maybe the fifth? Fourth or fifth year? Sixth? I'm not sure. They've been doing a few years. And uh, every year now, they pick... They have ten finalists that they choose from uh, to induct into their World of Video Game Hall of Fame. They pick five 
of those finalists to actually induct and then the in, to actually induct into the Hall of Fame, and then the uh, and the other five just don't. So the ten finalists for them for this year are Bejeweled, Centipede, Frogger, GoldenEye 007, Guitar Hero, King's Quest, the first one, Minecraft, NBA, excuse me, NBA Jam, Snake for Nokia phones, Super Smash Brothers Melee, that's the uh, the the GameCube one, Uncharted 2 Among Thieves, and Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? So these are our five picks. Which which five of those we think should be inducted out of those ten? Yeah, and I will say before we get into this, realistically, these are the ones that I I, I don't necessarily like all these games, but I think they deserve a spot. Yes, just, that was how I did it too. Yeah, exactly. The ones that we think are most deserving, not necessarily what we like the best. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll go first. Okay. I had a really hard... Some of these were so easy, but, but picking... There were two that were neck and neck for my number five. I won't say which one it was until I'm done, so I don't spoil anything. But my the one that I ended up going with is Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? This was a, uh, I feel like this was a revolutionary, maybe not even revolutionary, but just so unique uh, educational game. Um, The fact that it was all based on real history type stuff and you're really learning stuff or researching stuff to try to figure out, you know, if you're not familiar with the game, it's like, oh, you're trying to catch these thieves that, isn't it like thieves that stole like historical things and or something like that. And you have to, um, you're given like geographical hints onto where they might've fled to. And then you use those hints to figure out where to go to try to catch them. I'm not totally butchering it. Am I? That's basically right. It's been a long time for me. Same. (laughs) All I remember is that I had is like an enormous hint book. The hint book was like the size of a dictionary for this game. And, uh, I had to use it basically on everything because I didn't, no, I wasn't smart enough. I was like eight when I played this game. So I had no clue, but I did have fun looking up the clues in this book, in this hint book that would basically give you the answers to find out like what this or that clue meant uh, geographically or historically and what place in the world it was talking, you know, it was trying to give me clues about. Um, so it'd be like, oh, you know, I heard this person fled to somewhere where um there's the red sea and then you had to kind of like figure out where that is and figure out where to go to look for them you know i think i'm probably doing it a great disservice on my descriptions so i'll stop now but it was something kind of vaguely along those lines uh there was not a there were definitely educational games when this came out but none quite like this and i don't think there were any that were honestly as engaging as this one either so i give this one uh mad props bro for uh for doing, yeah. for being a good and actually a, a pretty solid educational game, especially for the time. Cool. All right. Number um, five. My number five is Snake for the Nokia. Seriously. Okay. Um, so, so this was insane. This was ridiculously popular out of nowhere. This was the time, this was the transitionary period where everybody was going from pagers, yes, pagers. Uh, over to cell phones. And I remember I, I remember when we first got a cell phone, my, as a family, when I say we, I mean my entire family <laughs> right. shared one cell phone, six people, one cell phone. And I remember 
when kids started to get cell phones, when I say kids, I mean myself at the time, because I was probably 12, 12 or 14, and people started to get cell phones, and this was the jam. Kids didn't want cell phones for any other reason than to text, because they can only text, I think it was like 60 times per month or something, and to yeah. play Nokia Snake. I mean, I kid you not, during class, and when I was hanging out people's houses, people were just slaughtering their batteries playing Nokia Snake over and over and over. And they were all terrible. Everybody was terrible at it. Nobody could get past like <laughs> a certain number of pellets. But it was crazy. And what is so funny to me, the reason I think this should be inducted is because I guarantee you their phone sales were inflated by a substantial amount just because it had this damn game installed into it. You think so? It, it, it just, oh, without question. <laughs> Everybody was like... I remember the, the cell phone evolution and it was like the snake game was, was a big piece of it. Then it was um, the flip phones. You had to have one of those flip phones. That was like the next big craze. Then it was the sidekicks that did the, the 360 spin thing. Like it was just, it was just crazy. This was the first thing that I saw for cell phones was, was realistically this damn game that everybody played. So <laughs> I, I think it has to be in there. I don't know. I definitely play. I didn't uh, play such a shitload of it. But I did play a good bit of uh, Nokia. I had my my dad before, like there were proper cell phones. My dad always had car phones. You remember those? They were like yeah, attached. They were like car part phones. of the car. Yeah, yep. my parents never owned one. Yeah. Oh really? My my dog sleep. Can you hear this? My dog's sleeping and he's rent, he's dragging his paws against the, my desk right now. <laughs> I can hear something. That might be what it is. Awesome. He's so cute. Okay, uh, my number four is Guitar Hero. This is one, not, not a game that I'm a fan of myself, but, uh, I mean, you, this this was, you know, two things. One, it was kind of uh, insanely popular. Oh, God, uh, yeah. It came I out of nowhere again. Yeah, it came out of nowhere, insanely popular, spawned the whole, like, musical instrument video yep. game genre, and uh, you just can't deny that it is... Um, like it was a phenomenon of a video game. Yep, I, I agree with you entirely. I think that is a great way to define it. And, and to be honest, I, I didn't play rock or guitar hero. I played Rock Band. They, they were so fun, and it was such a good social game. Social games were were always great to have, like the Super Smash Bros. of the world, certain sports games, and this. This was such an easy thing for anybody to just plug in, hang out, and play. It is such a bizarre thing, but it was ridiculously fun. Yeah, it was just. Uh, I mean, there was nothing like this, obviously. Um, no, it was so no. unique, so kind of revolutionary in a way. Just you can't argue with it. Even you know, like I said, even though I wasn't a fan, there, there's no denying that this was huge and 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 important. I played Rock Band with my dad a lot. No, no did you? <laughs> oh yeah, and he used to sing, and it was oh god, I will never forget. It, it was one of the funniest <laughs> moments ever. Uh, Queen, and my dad cannot get to that octave and save his fucking life. It was so funny. It was, it was we what? We of him about it all the time. Which, he, he could not get his voice that high. He was uh, like, like, Mississippi Queen. Oh, Mississippi like, Queen. That was, <laughs> that, was, that was the extent of what he could get to. I still make fun. He's, he, every once in a while, he's like, hey, do we still have Rock Band? Oh, I'd love to bring that back out. And I, it was funny because my, my one of my best friends growing up, um, we were we would play. he would play drums, I'd play guitar, and then my dad would sing. And we couldn't play because we'd be laughing the entire time. Like, it, it was such a good time. <laughs> Awesome. He's a good All right. Uh, what is my number four? Oh, uh, my number four, no surprise here. Again, this is not a game that I'm a huge fan of. We kind of talked about this earlier. Um, GoldenEye. I mean, GoldenEye is one of the most iconic games for the Nintendo 64. I would say top five, top three even. Definitely. Uh, for the Nintendo 64. 
even people I know who I wouldn't consider them to be, <coughs> you know, real gamers. Oh, right, right. Fedora, um, Mario Kart and <laughs> 007 are, are like two of the games that ever, I, a bunch of my friends have Nintendo 64s when they were growing up. They're not even, they're not even like big get video game players anymore. They don't own anything beyond like a PlayStation 1. And yep. they, they own uh, Nintendo 64, Goldeneye, and, and Mario Kart and play it all the time. This game, if this doesn't make it this year, it, it will in the future. This this mm-hmm. is one of those guarantees at some point will make it into the Hall of Fame, I think. Yeah, uh, 100% agreed. And that's why yep. that is my number three for yep. for those reasons. It, it was, I mean, I guess actually I wasn't necessarily going to say that now that I think about it, but that is a good point that it kind of, it was one of those games that sort of transcended yep. hardcore gaming and just everybody loved it, whether you were, whether you play video games all the time or not really. Cause I played a ton of this with yep. some of my friends that didn't necessarily play video games. And like you said, friends that I, you know, the friends of mine that did play a lot then, but don't play much now. This is one of the ones that they like most fondly remember. And if you had a copy, if I like rolled up with a copy and I was like, let's play this. I am hundred percent confident that they'd be like, Oh hell yeah, let's play it. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But, but beyond that, just, it was, I keep using this term, but I think it's because it's kind of relevant and, and by the nature of what we're talking about, it's something that keeps coming up. This was also kind of revolutionary in a way because not that it necessarily did anything that different, but it did it so well. It was like the best implementation of multiplayer in a first person shooter at this point, nothing else, but you know, unless you, okay. I say as far as couch multiplayer goes, um, yeah, this, there was nothing else that was that, that reached as good as this. This was it. This was the best game you could play on a console in the same room with your friends without having to hook up a LAN on a PC or something like that. Uh, that there was, there was nothing, nothing that could, that could match this really in any genre. Um, but even beyond that, this, because this game was so, so well loved because of its multiplayer. I think we also forget that even the single player at the time was very big and did a lot and did a whole lot of new stuff in its own right. I remember sure. when, when it came out, my friend, like I, I guess some of my friends had kind of kept up with it a little bit more than I had, you know, pre-release. And I just remember hearing like, oh, haven't you heard like when somebody gets shot in the leg, they're going to like hold their leg or if they get shot in the arm, then it's going to like hurt their their arm. Or if like, you know, it actually makes a difference where you shoot them and they might react like that way. Like that was unheard of at the time. And the fact that there was stealth also in it, that was also very unique for a first person shooter at this time. Um, it did a lot. Of, it did a lot to advance the first person shooter genre. And then again, on top of that, the multiplayer was absolutely fantastic. Yep. Yeah. A lot more color than I did. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great way to talk about it. And, and realistically, I think one of the things you hit on for, for me, the way Lisa gave me some really good insight into creating this list, which is kind of what you said, the games that I considered for this generally, I think transcend, you know, typical, yeah. typical gaming, right? They're the things that are accessible to most people. Now, not every game on my list is like that. And I didn't take every game on this list that was available for that, but yeah. Cool. Um, so talk about a game that everybody knows. Let's talk about Frogger. Uh, my number three is, Ooh, wow. is Frogger. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was, Why Frogger? I, 
why Frogger? Frogger is extremely iconic. I mean, it was featured in Seinfeld. It is one of the most recognized uh, video games of all time. Like when people, I remember growing up when people would talk about, oh, I play video games. Oh, you mean like Frogger? No, <laughs> not quite like Frogger. Thing, things about 10 years later than Frogger at this, at this point, 15 years later at this point. Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, Frogger, you mean like Frogger? That kind of games? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Um, I just like Frogger's one of those, those iconic games, which we're going to use this word a lot, but uh, that, that really does sort of, God, I, I hate using this terminology. I'm trying to think of a different way to put, put this. It is something that is undeniably recognizable by just about everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that that, yeah, definitely. No. Okay. Uh, my number two is Super Smash Brothers Melee. Wow. Another absolute phenomenon of a video game. Yeah. Um, I am not a huge fan of the Smash Brothers games. They're like, I just like, they're too hectic for me. <laughs> and I don't ever like seem to have quite much of a clue of what's going on in any given match. I still have, you know, I've had the one on, on Wii U and I bought the one on switch and I, you know, I play them a little bit and they're fun for a little while, but I can't get into them. Like some people can, um, you know, I'm for me, I, I like the kind of more measured pace of something like street fighter, for instance, gotcha. but again, there's no denying that this game has just been insanely, insanely popular uh, among people who do like this kind of stuff. You know, it's yep. one of the most popular fighting games that has ever that there's ever been, and spawned it's, an entire esport. <laughs> yeah, it will. I don't. Well, I don't think this spawned an esport. e-sport. Not, not. No, no. I said an esport. You mean I like? Me. I mean, yeah. Well. The fact that, that so the, the reason I say that is because there is multiple esports within Super Smash Brothers alone. I mean, people play Melee, they play the modded version of Melee, they play Wii okay. U, and now they're playing the Switch version. So that it's like its crazy own, to me. it's like its own league of esports. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I got you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just you know, obviously, it does have a lot of undeniably cool stuff going for it. It's got a bunch of Mario characters. That's fun. It's got fighting. It's got, it's all, it is it's got everything. It's now. got everything. It is, you know, and it is also, you know, one of my complaints is that it's too fast paced and crazy, but that's also why a lot of people love it. It's because it's absolutely yep. insane. It's fast paced, crazy. And it's, and it's more than just one V one, which is every other, just about every other fighting game in the world. It's, you know, sometimes, you know, plenty of it is one V one, especially in tournament play, but there's also every man for himself, eight player matches, which is, which is crazy. Who who would have thought that that would be plausible? And it also is different in that it's not just, okay, whose health bar gets down first, right? Yep. It has a whole entirely different formula for the gameplay. Um, yeah, I, there's, you can't like, there's no way to describe really to somebody who's not familiar with its popularity, like just how crazily popular this this game is. Yep. I think you, you gave it a lot of good context. All right. You're number two, right? <sighs> My number two is Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> Minecraft is, is we're going to keep using this word, but it's a phenomenon. I mean, it is absolutely stupid fucking games that I just can't, I just don't understand it. <laughs> I respect it for what it is, but I just hate Minecraft. I hate how culturally and that recognizable it is. I hate how ridiculously popular it is. It's just, it's one of those games that kind of bugs me. I don't know. It, it, we've talked about this before. I, I like the idea of Minecraft. I just despise the culture of it. The culture of it is really, it just makes me like convulse. Like it's just not good. Yeah, I, I, get, I get what you mean. 
Minecraft is ridiculously popular. It's featured in TV shows. It's got there's so many clothing and just dumb little toys. Like it, it expanded outside of the video game itself into its own culture, and it is ridiculously popular. I know so many people that have dedicated hundreds and hundreds of hours to Minecraft and never played the single player. Just purely just logged on to build dumb shit and play for a massive amount of hours. I, I mean, I get it. I, like I understand. I, I enjoyed like going into Terraria and building some fun stuff and blah 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 blah. But Wow, this game is insanely popular, though. Like, it has been for so long. That's the crazy thing, too. Generally, there are games that come out, and I'm like, whatever, this game's not my thing, and it'll die off in, like, four or five years, and I'll never have to hear about it again. No big deal. But Minecraft is still incredibly popular, and people still play it all the time. So it's, it, it, it has just exceeded every expectation, I think, that was ever in place for it. Yeah, it is. Um, well, okay, so it's my number one pick. <laughs> And for, I feel almost the exact same way about it as you do. Um, we say begrudgingly. Just, huh? We say begrudgingly. Yeah. Um, but like, it's like, I mean, again, for the hundredth time, it isn't even more so than other games we've talked about on this list, which is my number yep. one. It is a absolute phenomenon. Um, yep. I don't love Minecraft. I don't dislike it as much as you do either. Um, I do kind of agree with what you said about like the culture. It's a little bit weird that it's kind it's of created crazy. and like, For me, it's crazy. sorry. It's, yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. And also like, for instance, uh, my daughter not anymore, but like a few years ago, she went through like the typical kid phase where they were really interested in Minecraft and I still play it with her sometimes, but she was not, she was, she was really into it and also watched a lot of like YouTube, uh, YouTubers who just basically all their thing is, is they just play Minecraft and it is insufferable watching some yeah. of these videos. I think that's my, my thing. I think that's what bugs me most. It's not the people that necessarily play it. It's the people on YouTube that play it. I, I yes. actually think you, you. Good lord! It's it basically boils down to people just yelling at the camera for forty five minutes while they like talk while they play Minecraft. Yeah, you know, like f like freaking just like freaking out or you know like quote freaking out, uh, and it is unbearable. If you kind of like erase all of that, I feel like it's a pretty solid game. Um, I feel like it's a very solid game. It's it's really interesting that I mean there were other games that um, were that were very sandboxy, which is which is obviously the whole point of Minecraft, just to give you a big sandbox to play around with. But this was different. I don't know really how it just felt like a different, I mean, a couple things, there, a couple big differences were there weren't any first person games like this. There also weren't, there, there also weren't games where, for instance, you had to acquire the resource, the, the specific resources that you're using to build things like SimCity is obviously a, a, a big sandbox game, but it's not like in SimCity, you are physically moving around, digging up the, rocks that you're going to build your city with, you know, it actually, it, it, it was more of a, of a sandbox. It was more than just a sandbox. It was a sandbox where you had to actually do your own work to build the things that you want to build, which was just kind of not necessarily good or bad in itself, but unique. 
Um, I played it a little bit very, very, very early on, like, like 10 years ago, probably even maybe even more than that when it was in beta and it was very limited. And I heard, I read something about it and it had been out for a while, but I somehow just never heard of it. But I was like, you know, this sounds interesting Bought the beta and played it. You know, I put a good number of hours just building random stuff. Like I built a big house. I built a big, like kind of like a bridge walkway over this area where I would walk around and shoot arrows at monsters and stuff like that. Played around with it, had fun. And that was kind of it. Um, but people do such creative things in this game, um, that it, that it gets really crazy. And I have started playing it a little bit more again. Uh, you know, I played a few years back with my daughter. Once she got into it, we would play every now and then, and I would play it with kind of just to just, you know, just cause she wanted to. And uh, we've actually started picking it up again a little bit recently where like we have our own game and like she's got a house somewhere and I've got a house somewhere and she goes off and does stuff. And sometimes we'll go mining together. And like, I've got, I built a couple farms and she's like built a couple, she's like built a railway connecting our two houses. So I can't say that I, and it is kind of fun. So I can't really say that I don't like the game. I, yeah. I like it less than the amount that I play it. I'll say, but when we are playing, I'm like, you know, this, this has some fun things to do. I can play this for 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes and, and actually have a pretty good time. Um, I'm not 5% as into it as many, 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 many other people are, but that's kind of, that's, that, that's not necessarily the point of this top five list. Um, this game is just huge as far as, uh, like just how many people play it, how many games it's sold, how it's taken off in popular culture. You know, maybe that is primarily among kids and annoying YouTubers, but still it's taken off where the insanely. Money is. Yeah. It's where the money is taken off insanely huge in popular culture. I just looked it up. Uh, according to Wikipedia, let's see, this says by May, 2019, over 180 million copies had been sold across all platforms, making it the single best-selling video game of all time. <laughs> so, I mean... It's actually crazy. Uh, let's see. The, free, the free-to-play Minecraft China version had over 300 million players <laughs> by November 2019. So, like, if a game... Being the best-selling video game of all time isn't enough to get you into the uh, <laughs> video yeah, game right. Hall of Fame. Then I think something's broken. <laughs> yeah, it definitely qualifies. It. It's actually crazy. Okay, so that okay. I've gone on quite a bit. Why don't you tell us what your number one is? Yeah, let's talk about some good games. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm just kidding. My number one is actually Super Smash Brothers. So we did a little bit of a, cool. a flip-flop here. Um, Super Smash Brothers for me. I, I, I was kind of quiet when you were talking about it because I wanted to save some of the talking points. But but for me, I mean, the, the big thing for me is it's another one of these games where you can play at LAN and it's extremely fun. And to your point, when you're playing in a, you know, a 1v1, uh, excuse me, eight-player a, a free-for-all, it is a very fun game because if you have a couple friends who are very good, a couple people who are kind of dog shit, and then some mediocre people – it sort of balances itself out because the people who aren't very good can kind of gang up on the person who is good. Yeah. And it creates actually like a decent contention uh, for, for the top spot. Super Smash Brothers, for me, I, I played a lot of uh, Melee uh, for GameCube growing up. I'm very happy that it is still... I don't, I don't think it's going to be eSport after this year. I think it's starting to die off a little bit. I think Evo is, is no longer having it, if I'm not mistaken. 
So um, have they moved on to the newer one? Do you know? They have. To, okay, to my okay. knowledge, they're doing three different ones. They're doing, I think it's the modded GameCube version, the Wii U version, and then the Switch version, I want to say, um, are the three that are left. I could be, there's one modded version. I forget what it is or what console it's for. Okay. But this this game, like I talked about before, has created its own little eSport. You know, it's got multiple installments of a game into to one packed little uh, eSport bundle, which is extremely fun to watch. I, I don't play Smash. I have Smash for Switch. I don't play it very often, but I love watching it. It is it is one of those games, similar to Dragon Ball Z. It's one of those very enjoyable games, even if you don't fully understand what's going on, to just sit back and, and, and watch. And to your point, one of the best mechanics of the game is the idea that you know even if you are super far behind and your percentage is 180%, your opponent's 90, you can still win. I mean, you could still win very easily by doing some pretty interesting mechanics. Um, yeah, for me, I mean, it's, it's like Smash Brothers... Culturally, if we talk about, if we want to use the word phenomena, one of the things that's, that's fantastic about Smash is is how inclusive it is with characters. The new one has upwards of like 40 or 50 different characters now. I mean, they have Fire Emblem characters. They have oh, Donkey Kong. They have is it not more than Mario. That, like, even? Oh, I don't even I, know anymore. It might even, I don't know, but it might, I wouldn't be surprised. How many Smash characters in Switch? 70. <laughs> 70. Yeah, I mean, you got Mario, Donkey Kong, Zelda. You got the typical stuff. Let's go on the bottom here. You got Kirby. You got Solid Snake. You got Pokemon Trainer. Uh, you got Lucas. You have King Dedede. You have uh, Olimar. Uh, who else you got? Oh, you got the Villager from Animal Crossing. You got Mega Man. You got Wii Fit Trainer. Uh, you got uh, Little Mac from Punch-Out. Bunch of Pokemon. Um, oh, got to be some other good ones in here. Pac-Man. Pac-Man is in this. Duck Hunt. Like, the dog and the, like, it's like called oh, Duck Hunt. Hunt. Like, Duck Hunt yeah, is du- the character. <laughs> yeah, like, that's literally the character in this. Uh, you got a bunch of Fire Emblem characters. You got Kid Icarus. Uh, you got Ryu. You got Cloud. Cloud's in it. I completely forgot oh, yeah, about I forgot that. about that, too. Bayonetta. Unfortunately, Inkling's in it. Uh, what else you got? Dark Stamps. What the fuck? Uh, of course, you got all the Mario cool. characters, Bowser, Yoshi, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, all the typicals, Banjo Kazooie. Oh right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's such a great game, and and I, this is one of those games that I, I it's one of those games that, that realistically, even for people who aren't necessarily typical gamers, I feel like this is one of those games that kind of transcends that and uh, it reaches a much broader audience. So yeah, yeah. Awesome. On a side note: Have you watched Castlevania yet? Uh, I, I watched the first episode when it came out uh, probably over a year ago. So good. So good. Yeah, you were it's telling so me. so good. You were telling me that. First two seasons are nuts. The third season, still very good, but not as good as the first two seasons. I thought the first one was like pretty good, but I didn't. But it didn't hook me enough to, to keep on going. But you're, it sounds like you're thinking I, you're saying I should. I really enjoyed it very much so. Okay. Maybe I'll go back and check it out. Dope. Okay. So a couple observations on our lists. Um, one similar. <laughs> yes. A lot of, we had four, four of ours were the same. We only had one that was different. Um, also kind of surprising. Neither of us had NBA jam. 
Yeah, NBA Jam was one of my top contenders for sure. That I was I was torn between that and actually Nokia Snake. No yep. joke. Those are the kind of two I was, I was um, stuck beyond. Centipede didn't really do anything. Bejeweled is one of those like low hanging fruit, obvious, like so fucking stupidly popular. I cannot believe how popular Bejeweled is. Everybody's everybody that I know growing up um, back like ten five ten years ago, everybody's parents played this freaking game. It was like Candy Crush ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so ridiculous. Centipede, uh, it's an obvious one. King's Quest. King's Quest is, I, I think, a little too niche to uh, to push to make it through. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I don't know about that. Um, it might be nowadays, but back when it came out, I mean, those were the. It was. It was not at all. It was like that was what people played back in the day, um, PC wise. Um, but I don't know if. I just don't feel like King's Quest has done. I don't. I don't. I. I don't. I won't say it doesn't belong in the in the Hall of Fame, but I don't think it can beat. I think there's so much in this particular list that it just yeah should not beat. It, for me, if if you were to do like a one to ten list, it would be towards the bottom for me for sure. And, and nothing against King's Quest by all means. I think it, I, I think it definitely deserves a spot at some point. But compared to the heavy hitters in this list, damn. So okay, so we have told we have given our own personal picks. What do you think are most likely to be picked? Uh, Frogger for sure. Uh, I'm gonna guess Minecraft for sure. Um, man, but historically I've been wrong on this, but I'm still gonna go with my gut. Fuck it. Uh, so I said Frogger. What did I say? Frogger and Minecraft. Minecraft. I would say Guitar Hero. Yep, I agree with that one. And Minecraft. Um, I guess Bejeweled, maybe? I think Frogger is actually a solid um, pick also for, for what we anticipate them to pick. I, I think Frogger, Guitar yeah. Hero, Minecraft, I think those are all pretty good bets. I would almost guarantee those, you know what I mean? But I know almost. I'm going to be wrong. And then I yeah. think I would maybe say Super Smash Brothers Melee is pretty... Maybe pretty certain. And then I don't know about the last one. I feel like as much as it deserves it, I just don't know if golden eye is going to make it this time. Um, I, I'll say, I'll say Nokia snake and bejeweled as my last two. I, I feel like it's okay. Nokia snake is going to get a bunch of troll votes. Well, or, they, or don't, they don't, well, they don't take that much input from like random okay. people. Like you can vote. Um, but that only, I, I, I don't know to what degree that does. It's, it's primarily chosen by, by them, by the hall of fame okay. people. I'm curious what they'll choose. Yeah. It's a be. tough year. I mean, for sure is a tough year. Yeah. Um, Minecraft has been nominated before and didn't make it. So I feel pretty certain that it's going to this time. If it I think to. something's yeah. really wrong, if it doesn't, honestly. All right, sweet. So our next top five is going to be franchises with the most consistent quality. I was going to ask if we should count um, like saying it's got consistently bad quality, if that should count as most consistent. But I wonder if that would be too easy. Could you be you could pick out some obscure ass franchise and be like. Oh, Johnny's Adventure One, Two, and Three were all bad, you know. So I wonder if we should we should just keep it to good 
quality games. What do you? Any thoughts? On yeah, that? I, I think so. I think it's a, a a good challenge. I think it's a good idea to just approach it from from good quality. Okay, so franchises with the most consistent quality, and also they have to be good. Yep. And then and then maybe we were talking about for, for the next episode after that one two episodes from now we might do uh, franchises with the least consistent quality. Um. So. Yeah. Mail in your picks for franchises with the most consistent good quality. Good franchises with the most consistent quality. How about we say it? How about we phrase it that way? There you go. Um, mail at com. And um, with that in mind, let's jump into dim emails. You got it, boss. All right, number one email coming right up is from. I'm on the uh, sheet, by the way. Okay, I'll, I'll take the first one. I'll give you the next one. Uh, Chris, Chris in Long Beach. He says, uh, "Hey guys, super cool. Uh, you read my email as a subject line. Hey guys, super cool man. And it only took me a year and a month to catch up to that episode 124." <laughs> Just listened to it last night, along with your trampling of Daikatana. Thanks for saving me from it. And when you started reading my email, I actually paused playing Final Fantasy Tactics and caught. Wow, and he, this is, he's he's got it all going. He's playing Final Fantasy Tactics and listening to Perfect. the classic video game podcast. And called my wife to hear how important I am. <laughs> called my wife in Aww. to hear how important I am. What I just found when emailing right now is that I already emailed you a second time in August of 2019. So maybe I'm on that episode also, but I don't remember sending that email. Some beers may have wiped that from my memory card, LOL. Glad, uh, also glad that first email wasn't too long at all. What I'm enjoying now, still Final Fantasy Tactics. Good choice. I can't find hours to just sit and work through it. Plus, I've hit some spots that needed leveling, and I wanted to get multiple jobs and abilities up. On chapter, th- I'm on chapter three or four of the game now. Mm. Still, Ogre Battle. My problem with this game that I've never beaten is that I'll get halfway through and then want to restart a fresh game just to see what I can do differently <laughs> with my army's character's <laughs> reputation and unit personnel. I'm trying to force through... Now, one game to the end. I am guilty of this also with GTA San Andreas. That, GTA San Andreas doesn't have, like, branching paths. I don't know what he's talking about. And Madden 2005. Just love to start over and rebuild sometimes. Okay. Wow. Replayed Resident Evil for PS1. Wow. And that was a treat. I remember not only that game in the dark at, a, at friends' houses giving us the creeps, but the demo of Resident Evil 2 doing the same. Those creaky door cutscenes and stairs were a nice innovation. Need to finish Swickadin and Chrono Trigger. Like you guys probably experience, I have I'll have some ADD pop up after a few hours of a game and move on to something else only to have myself totally lose where I was when I returned to my past games. Yep. I'm trying to stop that I'm trying to stop that jumping around and stick them out to completion. Damn. <laughs> I guess you got because he's still listening games that he's playing. Final Fantasy VI. 
Got it working, but oh, okay, he hasn't started this one yet. But waiting to start until I know I will only play that game. See above. Deja Vu for Nintendo. Ever heard of this one? I saw it on 1001 Games to Play YouTube after hearing him on, oh, Gaming J 1001 uh, Games to Play YouTube after hearing him on your show. And it's pretty damn interesting. Film Noir Detective Game. Check it out. Huh. I, I, I don't remember seeing this one. I'll, I will have to check that out. Twisted Metal. PS1, and I've never played any others, but you guys make later ones sound great, so I think I need to get to them. Working through all of the vehicles is a great challenge. Hopping around on less story-driven games, such as Burger Time, hell yeah, Super Mario 3, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mega Man games, those titles you can start and stop without being too drawn in. So, so Chris is playing like 45 games at once. Pretty much. Whether you want to read this live or not, uh, up to you, because I don't mind at all. I don't know where this is going. I'm turning 40 later this year, guys. Fucking 40. I don't feel like it at all, and I really think playing some games that tie me to my youth and times with my friends is something that I really attribute to feeling good. How old are you both if it has never been shared? I would guess mid or early 30s. Yep, I'll be 32 this year. Yes, I turned 37 this year. Anyway, we all identify with these games, I think, because this was before all of the craziness and 24-hour inundation that we go through now, before the internet and its websites, before satellite TV and 1,000 channels, before so much news and negativity that people prefer uh, that people prefer self-medication now. We as kids had these video games that actually weren't ultra violent. I don't know about you. I had plenty of ultra violent games. What do you think about that, Jay? Before so much news and negative people for self-medication. I'm not even sure what he's exactly referring to them, but, but we as kid has these video games that actually weren't ultra violent. I don't know. I think it's, it's kind of tough. I, I think uh, there's a lot more at play than, than just that specific issue. But just games uh, being ultra violent or not. Yeah, I don't think that is, is necessarily the underlying issue. I think there's a lot of things in motion. Um, maybe there's been a lot of studies that have kind of analyzed that and everything's come back and said, yeah, probably not. Yeah. So I I, I will say I, I do agree with one piece of what he said, which is what he mentioned pre-internet. Um, oh, for right. me, I think gaming was a different and more enjoyable leisure time pre-internet. Uh, pre-internet meaning... So how do I put this? So so back in the day when when the limitations of the internet were there, where essentially you could play a game and that was it, because your machine couldn't handle it or your connection couldn't handle it any further. Nowadays, when I sit and call with people when we're playing video games, usually people are like browsing Twitch, they're on social media, they're looking things up for the game that they're playing. And it's not no criticism, but I do think it takes away from them from the overall enjoyment. So Okay. Yep. He says uh, Mortal Kombat is like a fucking Nancy Drew novel now. And sure, maybe it paved the way for more violent games, but we are smarter than that because we used to play Mario and knew the damn difference. I don't know about that. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a reach, but we teach it It isn't real, and we like it that way. I don't want to live in an alternate reality. I just want to break from this one sometimes, so why the hell not? I'm really curious to know what you guys see as your listenership and how many people follow you. Because if it isn't many, I'd be seriously surprised and more people should be writing in. Um, 
I think we have roughly 2,000 legitimate listeners. Uh, not Sorry, not each episode. Each month across all of our episodes. That's about the numbers that we're doing right now. I don't think I mind sharing that. Um, as far as our listenership from at least based on from the people that write in, it it honestly seems like people generally our age on average, I think, don't you think so, Jay? Yeah. Yeah. Most people, we, we generally have people to write in that are with, with, within a few years of us. It does seem like a lot of people who are kind of doing the same thing we are, which is like reliving old games that we loved and then also kind of like discovering some that we missed when when we first started the podcast, I was hoping that it would be a lot of that. And also a lot of younger listeners who are like, Oh, what are some of the great old games? I want to hear about these that, you know, that I didn't grow up with that I can go back and check out. We don't really get much of that. I don't think, I think it Mm -hmm. really is all just people kind of doing the same thing we are. Yeah. Um, let's see. He says, blah, 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 blah. People ready. Frankly, I thought by the time you got to my first email, you'd be so swamped in emails that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't get through, but I'm sure the numbers of listeners that just tune in is much higher than those who participate. Yeah. I honestly think it is a uh, question of the week. Oh, here we go. Oh, what happened to Blake? <laughs> no details required. Oh. <laughs> If it was just a uh, disagreement or falling out, it is fine to say so without details. I don't have Facebook or Twitter. If you ever talked about it there, I don't like those things. If he was just too busy, that's okay too. But I bet listeners have wondered. I get, I give my wife a hard time about watching housewives and Kardashians, but I need to know about my ca- uh, classic gaming podcast drama. LOL. Uh, yeah, you'll, I, I, Surprised you haven't gotten to this yet. I guess it was probably hadn't really been discussed much, maybe, but it was probably you'll get to it on sooner episodes. Uh, basically, we just, I mean, I think all the all we've felt comfortable saying is just that uh, we don't really want to say anything, right? Have we said more than that? Like, it's I just actually so funny. I was actually talking about Blake today to Lisa. It's like, I very rarely think about it because it's been so long now. Right. It was. It was funny enough. I was just talking about that to Lisa today. Yeah, I mean, basically, I just don't want to say anything about it or talk about it just because I, I feel like it's Blake's, uh, that's up to Blake if he wants to talk about it. Um, my understanding is he has not at all, and I don't really no. feel comfortable talking about it um, myself. I, I feel like that's, I kind of feel like it's Blake's business, and that's kind of the end of it. But yes, you'll get to other episodes, Chris, where a couple of other people have asked the same thing. And yeah, that's, that's, uh, you know, my apologies, but that's kind of all I feel comfortable saying is just that, you know, yeah. we, I guess that's kind of it. <laughs> I, I just like that to me. And, and the way Robert's kind of expressing it, I just don't want to think it's like this, this massive bomb that happened or something super right. dramatic. It, it's nothing to that extent to I me. Mean, realistically, from our perspective, it's just, you know, it, it is what it is. And realistically, you know, what ultimately happened? It happened, and Robert and I have been gone on for it's been years now um, since since it initially happened. And you know, Blake still I think he still streams full time. So like, the, the, I don't think yes, it had any either of us. So yeah. yeah, so so that's it. Nothing, Mark nothing, feeling. nothing huge. But I still just don't want to say anything about like like Jay said. It's nothing huge, but we don't want to say anything. About it. I I just don't feel like that's. 
I don't feel like it's it's in good taste for me to go out talking about it. Uh, I, I feel <laughs> like that, that's up to Blake if he wants. <laughs> there are to. no hard feelings by any means. Right. Okay. Um, he says maybe this email has hit the long limit, and I don't mind. No, nah, I think you're still way behind, Chris. Still loving the show, and I sometimes look ahead to make sure they didn't just stop. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 143 posted 14 days ago, so you're probably about ready for 144, and I'm on 124. Catching up. Keep this thing rolling, you guys. Are the classic gaming bosses? Hell yeah. He says, ooh, top five ideas. Best bosses, worst bosses. Which bosses are you the most like? Ooh, we've done the best bosses. I know we've talked about that a few times. We've done Bosses best. We're like I don't know if I could come up with a good one for either of these. That's that's very weird. What's I'm thinking. I'm thinking because I'm actually a boss at work now, so it's like getting I'm like thinking about it from a work perspective. I'm like that doesn't make any sense. I think I'm most like. Uh, You want to finish Guru. that sentence? Oh, you cut out for a second. Did you just cut out for like 90 seconds? And then just uh, no, I, I, it took me 90 seconds to figure out my answer. Oh, you want an answer right now? Oh, Christ. Uh... <sighs> there's no There's no good answer to this. There's no, there's nothing. How could you come up with an answer to this? No, I don't even know. Awesome. What was like? I have no answer. I have nothing. I'm like trying to think of like some of like my favorite games, but I'm not cool enough to be a boss in those games. I feel a deep uh, kinship with um, Bowser Jr. Bowser Jr. Classic. Um, maybe some were done already. I forget. Have a great week. Avoid the COVID nineteen bad stuff. Hope to hear this read by your beautiful voices someday soon, Chris and Long Beach. Robert, beautiful voice. First time we've heard that before, huh? Uh, yes, it is actually. Thank you, Chris. Come on. Yeah, thank you. Thank very you much. for the email. And uh, we got one more. And I'm pulling it up. You're good. Oops. Nope. 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 Emails. Do you, are you on the? Yeah. Oh, you're there? Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Perfect. Uh, This comes in from Chase, of course. Uh, Hello, gentlemen. Chase the Night Cleaner here with a hasty, tasty email. First off, (laughs) God damn it, Chase. First off, Minecraft seems like the game that needs to go into the Strong Museum of Play roster this year. The Strong Museum of Play roster. They need to rebrand. Uh, Chase says, I love me some Smash, but we really do need to consider the reach of the game. It's significance to gaming as a whole, regardless of genre and how it has influenced gaming generations younger than us. Smash Melee is is the Smash game and fighting game for many people, but Minecraft is the first 3D world builder thingy that every single grade to high school kid has engaged with in some way, shape, or form. To put this in perspective, the game came back uh, came out in beta back in 2009 or 2010, and new versions of the game are still being sold to this day. Like, people are still buying this game on new consoles in some way, shape, or form. It's the game that deserves to go in this year. Honestly, it has reached so many people and isn't just fun, but also educational and incredibly dynamic. You can choose to make your own fun or go out and find millions of different ways to play it within the modding community. Second, 
Uh, time for question of the day because I'm short on time and should be showering. We talk a lot about video games and I've asked you a lot of questions, so let's try something else today. What is one hobby or thing you do when you're at home that might surprise the listening audience? That's appropriate? Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, what do you do when you're at home that might surprise us, Jay? Jesus. Well, well you you think about it for a second. Uh, I think I've... I mean, I've got kind of an answer. I don't know if this is necessarily surprising because I'm pretty sure I've talked about all. I think I may have talked about all of my hobbies, but um, so my hobbies, my my main two, I guess, are uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which I've been doing for six or seven years now. I'm sorry, and, he said when you're at home. Sorry, do you practice? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. I feel like such an idiot now. Uh, okay, home hobbies then. Guitar. I started playing again. Uh, I played when I was in high school, put it down for about 13, no, 19 years. Um, and then I picked it up again at the beginning of last year and I've been playing ever since. So there's that. And also I told you, I think I, I think I did mention this on the podcast recently. Uh, I told you Jay that I, I decided to start learning Japanese. Yeah. And I'm still, I'm still doing that. So I guess those be mine. I'm trying to think. I do also make. Um, I, I've I've kind of dropped off a little bit of this recently, but um, I do tinker with electronics uh, hmm. a little bit also, and um, I started making my own guitar pedals. I uh, oh wow cool. yeah it's fun. Um, any guitar player. Who, who, who plays electric guitar loves guitar pedals. And I have plenty that I've bought, but I also, once I started playing around with electronics and stuff, I came actually came up with an idea for my own guitar effect, um, which I made. And I was like, Oh, you know what? I could actually make this. So I'm actually kind of in the process of finalizing the design of this one guitar pedal that I've kind of designed the circuit for myself. And I'm making, making them and putting them together in their own enclosures and that kind of stuff. So making guitar pedals, I guess, uh, designing and making guitar pedals, I guess would be another one. I feel like I have maybe one or two more that I just can't think of right now. Yeah. In all seriousness, Robert has an impressive number of hobbies. He, you actually have more hobbies than most people I know combined. Most people I know usually <laughs> focus on like, like two or three different things. And that's, I, I, it's not an insult. Like it's, no, I, no, I, I didn't take it. Whatever. Okay. Whatever you do. Um, I, I guess the, the big one that, that I've been focused on, I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, is in the last probably year or so, every so often, um, either either I'll do this solo or I'll do it with my, my brother as well, which sounds really bad. Jesus Christ, the phrasing of this. Uh, <laughs> is we, we have been in discussion of, of developing a board game. Um, so my brother and I, have, have, we are very similar in a lot of ways when it comes to like, we look at things, when we play, I, I think my brother and I drive people nuts when we play board games with them because we're usually like, we pick up on things very quickly when it comes to board games. God damn, this sounds really arrogant, but we, we pick up on things very quickly with <laughs> the board games and, and we'll figure out how to do like some pretty pretty quick strategies with different games. And we we kind of talked about it from time to time, like trying to develop different, different types of board games. And so we have like a, a shared document, I guess I'll call it. It's like a website that we utilize and we'll go on there periodically and, and make some progress or develop their pieces of it. And then additionally, I'm, I'm doing the same thing on my own. So I haven't really gotten too far into it yet on my own. I've really just kind of mapped out what I ultimately want to do and then made some specific elements to it. Um, 
but I generally know the direction. I don't want to talk about it too much because you know I may end up work working at it at some point. But realistically, I, I've identified basically the elements of games that I enjoy the most, and then what I think is missing from them. Um, which you know, you, I've obviously talked about the different types of board games that I've really enjoyed. But goddamn, it is so fun. I mean, board games are endless. Like especially right now, board games are so popular that it, it, the 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 ability to to do what you want to do is literally there right now. Awesome. I think Diego's barking asleep. Too. What's I also spend every ridiculous amount of time with my dog. So uh, that's a good one. Yeah. All right. Okay. Go ahead. Um, going on. I forgot what we were doing reading the email. I thought this was like a top. <laughs> I did. I did too for um, a second. Going on, Chase says, as points of reference, do you have absurdly nerdy alternative hobbies or particular unusual morning routines? Uh, not really. No, nothing super nerdy. I mean, I, I don't know what I would consider to be super nerdy anymore. Realistically, at my at my age or our age, I guess. Whatever you're into, you're into, and yeah, pursue yeah. it. I mean, yeah, that's kind of way I look at it. That's why uh, I'm not embarrassed about my anime uh, figurine okay. girls. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, DOA. Yeah. Never mind. Anime I take it back. Collection. I take it back. Uh, particularly unusual morning routines. I am a creature of habit. I wake up every morning and do the same thing every single morning. I wake up, I shower, I take my dog for a walk, I eat breakfast, and I start work. And even when I was at work, I I would literally eat the same thing around the same time every single day at work. I would go to work, I would eat uh, yo- I, was, I would eat oatmeal, and then mid-morning I would eat yogurt, and then for lunch I would eat a salad with nuts, and then in the afternoon I would eat fruit, and then I would close out the day every single day. I am a total creature of habit, so no. Morning. Robert, you? Um, a little bit, and I, this actually reminds me, I don't know if you would necessarily call this a hobby, but another thing that I've been doing lately. So I like just learning new things. Um, and one thing, uh, and th- that was kind of how I got into electronics in the first place. I was like, you know what? That'd be fun just to learn how electronics work and, you know, basic kind of stuff like that. Well, what I've done, what I've started learning recently is chemistry. I was just like, you know what? That might be actually interesting now. You know, I took chemistry in high school. I took it in college, yeah. never gave a shit about it. Um, but I was like, you know, maybe that is worth, maybe, maybe that's interesting to me now. So um, my morning routine, my morning <laughs> routine routine now you, so typically I try to get up a little bit early and just spend some time doing something productive, like whether it's this or studying Japanese for a little bit before I actually start working during the day. Or So now my routine is I get up, I try to get up five to five 30. Usually it's more like five 30 to six 15, get up, take a shower and stuff. I then just focus and then just like sit down and focus on one thing. Like, like I said, lately that's been, uh, doing like an online, like a Coursera, uh, chemistry class, just a free yep. chemistry class online, just watching that and kind of like taking notes and like going back and studying over the notes. Uh, I do that until, uh, until, you know, it's around eight o'clock and then I start actually working, but it's either that basically, basically my morning routine is get up and do some learning of some sort. It's nowadays it's either that or, or studying my Japanese. I dig it. I may take that from you. Not learning Japanese, but just dedicating time to learning. I, yeah. I love learning. I, I, I usually get like really into topics for like a month and then I just kind of fall off. I, I, I really like, especially like the, the sciences, like as I, as you kind of talked about, you know, you study them in high school. I didn't study them in college because I was a psych, psych major, but um, in high school, it's like you kind of take it for granted. And, and now it's like some of those things are really interesting. Like even geology, like geology is a subject I never thought I'd find interesting, but uh-huh. I found pretty fucking fascinating in the last couple of years just for no, no apparent reason whatsoever. They're minerals. 
All right. <laughs> uh, it's on to say, I personally collect comics, but I've never actually read them. It's weird. I want to read them, but I never make the time. I have a box full of comics that I've never read, but I would like to someday. I also have a huge collection of game ROMs, but no controller for my PC, so I don't play them. I just need a new dongle. Nice, Chase. Uh, yeah. But I haven't even bothered to buy that yet. It's a, a weird... It's weird, and I keep saying that I'll do these things, but I never do. So he yeah, just collects like comics. <laughs> it, it would be Donald's. weird. It would be weird, weirder, Chase, if you didn't have, if you didn't at least have the intention of reading them. But it is, I agree. It is kind of funny that you have a collect a comic collection that you have not read. True. Um. Yep. Uh, and then he says, and that's it for me, gentlemen. Thank you very much for all you do and for providing this sweet little section of your show. So happy to see other emailers getting their games on and really contributing lately. I'm always happy to hear your silk, silky smooth voices. Robert, another compliment. Cheers and talk to you again. Chase Damn, and I. Twice, Thanks, twice in a row. Can't yeah. let this ego Enjoy get it. to me. Enjoy, Enjoy it. it. <laughs> okay. That's our last email. Thank you very much, Chase. As always. Uh, a quick current gaming subcast. Oh, Got anything? There is something I wanted to tell you. Hold on, let me see. Let me do this. Okay, so I remember I was talking about the Gloom, Gloomhaven Kickstarter. Oh uh, yeah. You hear Diego? He's squeaking. He's I running, heard him. He's running like crazy. He's he like a little oh, dog. Are you dog whimper. Okay? Oh, he woke himself up. It's almost at ten million dollars. It's at <laughs> nine point six million dollars. <laughs> and there's sixty four hours to go. Holy shit. Yep, I cannot wait. I'm super excited. Anyways, just thought that was kind of cool. When's it supposed to Speaking release? A uh, year uh, next March. Okay. Anything, any games you've been playing recently that you want to talk about? Not really. I, I told you, somebody somebody bought me Warcraft 3, um, which oh, has yeah. been... It was fun. We played it for, for several days and played a bunch of... There's some pretty cool maps and stuff. Um, yeah, it, it was whatever. We're, we're just kind of hopping around right now the... The group of people I play with are a bunch of degenerates and can't stick to one game for more than a fucking week. I swear to God, it's insane. <laughs> it drives me nuts because I like to be very dedicated to things and like get really into games. So it's it's so frustrating for me. Like they wanted to play on a private server for a while, and then we did that for a while. And then they switched private servers, and they switched private servers, and they switched private servers. And now they're playing retail, and I don't want to play retail because you know retail. So okay, they're, they're nuts. Yeah, my they'll main be playing league again soon. Huh? Anyways, I said they'll be playing league again soon. Oh, okay. Anyways, good. The my main one, well, I guess one. Well, no, I guess not even my main one. But of course, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake a bunch. Um, yeah. Also, I'm still playing a lot of Civ Six. I, I think I talked about that last time. Oh, yeah. I like randomly yeah. got the hankering to play that and got totally hooked on it. I finished my first game of it, which probably took about forty hours, maybe more like thirty. I'm not Jesus. really sure. <laughs> yeah. I did, you know, as we were talking about, I did ultra huge map, uh, ultra long time scale. And um, actually, I don't even know if I did the longest time scale. I might have done the second longest. But I played as Japan and I tried to do a cultural victory. And I got really close, but I ended up, but but Canada ended up winning. Canada got a diplomatic victory. And, uh, but that was fun. And then I just started a new game of Civ Six, and I'm India, and I'm going. I'm trying to play uh, very pacifist and also get a uh, religious victory. But <laughs> like, so far I've been stuck in about a thousand year war 
with uh, uh, the Aztecs because they declared war on me because they're like a very war hungry. They're like warmongers. And I was very weak and they were my neighbor. And they declared war on me, but like kept doing a bunch of stupid stuff. And I'm just playing super defensively. And so they couldn't do much. And then they like, for some reason, started a new settlement like on the like far like on the opposite side of me from where they are and so i stole it very easily but then after i took it over then they called like a special sec session of world congress and used their diplomatic influence to get my other two neighbors which are scotland and brazil to join them and fight against me saying oh but hey look this guy stole my city he, we can't let him do that. That means if we let him do this, then who knows what he's going to do. And so I was at a war with three of these people for about 800 years. I eventually was able to get uh, Brazil or no, it was Scotland to uh, like, I was able to eventually get a peace treaty with Scotland, but the Aztecs and uh, Brazil still won't get a peace treaty with me. And I'm starting to get worried because they are advancing much farther in military might than I am while I'm just like hunkering down, building up walls, trying to advance my culture in other ways. Um, I think I don't have much time left in this game <laughs> because I, basically I got screwed because I played so passively and spawned next to uh, the Aztec Empire. But it's still fun. It's, uh, it's kind of insane how long the war has gone on. But it's just kind of fun to see what happens regardless, even if I do lose. I, I really enjoy playing it. And then and I'm still playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> oh, every yeah. Day, oh. Every, every day I get on, check turnip prices, run around, do like the basic things, build some stuff, sell some stuff, buy some stuff. Uh, my house is upgraded. I've upgraded it twice now. So I have the main room and then two extra rooms. I recent, We recently upgraded the, the Nook store. So I, they're selling cool stuff now. I bought a bought an arcade cabinet. I have like a tech room in my house where I have this special wallpaper that looks like server racks with like blinking lights and stuff. And I've got that room with, uh, it's got the arcade cabinet. It's got, uh, I put a fucking, uh, utility pole in there. I've got a TV hung on the wall and, uh, all sorts of awesome stuff. My main room, when you walk in, I've got like, I, I won't get into it. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's really sweet. I I just built a um a little like mini pizza restaurant in our town, and uh, I'm loving it still. It's a super fun game. You been playing that any more of that? I have, yeah, not not as much as Lisa, but yeah, very much so. Is her stuff pretty well? I, she probably got a lot of house upgrades, I assume. It sounds. Oh like. yeah, she's terraforming her whole place, and she's going <laughs> she's going off the deep end. She loves it. Nice. Okay. I think that's going to do us, Jay, for this episode of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Uh, quick, Two quick reminders. Our next top five is good franchises with the most consistent quality. And our game of the quarter is Beautiful Joe. We'll be talking about that yes, at the... Huh? I said yes, I'm, I was just agreeing with you. Oh, yes. Uh, we're going to go... We're going to discuss that at the end of the at the end of June... Our game of the quarter is where Jay and I both play the same game and all of our listeners uh, are also welcome to play and send in their thoughts for that episode as well. We think it's going to be two episodes from now, but we'll keep you guys posted on that. 
because uh, the next one should be like mid-May. And then the next one that'll probably be more like mid-June, but I'd rather do it mid-June than, than do it late because that pushes everything else back for future games of the quarter. So it's probably going to be, it's probably going to be two episodes from now. But like, as I said, we'll give you guys a heads up. We had talked about at one point, possibly spreading this one out a little bit and talking about it, you know, a little bit on one episode and a little on the next, but we decided not to do that for now. We might do it with another game in the future. So yep. uh, this one, we're just going to discuss at the end of June. Um, yeah, me too. I dig it too. Listen to, uh, give us good reviews on iTunes. Tell all of your friends to listen to us. Again, our mail, uh, our email address, if you want to talk about the things I mentioned above or just anything else, mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. You can follow us at Class Gamescast. You can follow me. I'm at King Octavius on Twitter. And actually, this, uh, this is, this is worth noting, I guess, G- uh, going back and talking about hobbies. I recently started actually uh, posting some videos of me playing uh, video game theme music on Twitter. So if you're interested, check that out. I played and this kind of just randomly happened. I wasn't like, I'm going to start playing music on Twitter, but it, I was, it was after I started playing the final fantasy seven remake. And there's this one really awesome part in the Mako reactor or Mako reactor uh, escape scene that I really liked. And it's very, very, very simple. It's just four notes. But I was like, that's a really cool little theme. I just want to play it. So I was playing it around. I was like, you know, why don't I just like post a quick video of this on Twitter? And I did it. And then after that, I, I did that. The next day I was like, I want to do it for uh, the Final Fantasy like main like title theme. So I played that and I was like, well, you know what? Why don't I just put this on Twitter as well? So then I did a couple others. I did uh, that and I did a couple songs from Chrono Trigger my favorite one I've done so far is the underground theme from Mario, um, the original like uh, Super Mario Brothers on NES. Then I also did the uh, the underwater theme for that, and then I just recorded one. Uh, I haven't actually put it on Twitter yet because I need to like cut out the right part of the video. But I just did um, the Metal Gear Solid Four title theme, which was also kind of fun. Oh, cool! But anyway, if you want to check out any of these, I'm having lots of fun doing them and. Seems like people kind of like him. Uh, that's that's me on Twitter, King Octavius. And um, I think that's it. We are part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. Go check out some of their stuff. Check out some of their other podcasts. And um, aside from that, we will be back in three weeks. Thank you guys so much for listening. Take care.